Okay, it should be okay. live. Excellent. Good afternoon, everybody. It's been a few weeks since we've gotten together and we're really excited about this evening and coming together on some reflections that we have found, you know, in this time that we're all going through. Um, you know, I guess we, I would like to take a minute to um, acknowledge what's happening out in St. Louis and some of the really heavy things that are happening in society. And I, and I just like to, you know, acknowledge that and um, really look for a progressive way to move, you know, to a more peaceful society. And, you know, maybe tonight we can just, you know, talking about food sovereignty and, and, and nutrition can help, you know, guide us towards that. And without knowing, you know, eating good food might, might be able to uh, empower us to make better decisions. And uh, so, yeah, we're just gonna um, open it up this evening and talk about um, some food sovereignty and what it means to us and how it's different than food security. And, and we have people from different bioregions. We have people from Hawaii and British Columbia and Oregon and California. And uh, we're just feeling really blessed tonight. So um, Kelly, did you have something prepared? That you yeah, you know, I don't, I don't normally write anything, but I know, you know, we've been busy in the gardens and I really felt like I wanted to lie in the earth and, and just sort of reflect on what's been going on. I feel like there's so much, it's such a potent pot of richness, whether it's negative or positive. So I just was gonna take a minute to read to you all what I've been thinking. Um, I still believe this is an opportunity for humanity to see clearly the oppression of a system that cares more for its bottom line, which is money than its citizens, because without them, a system would fail. We hold the power, but yet we feel powerless. We need to put aside culture, race, religion, past historical pain and suffering, socioeconomic standing, political views, fear, and join together as all different shades of brown, as united human beings. If we look to the failing system to save us, we're asking for the same rhetoric, the same narrative, and the, and the current one is making us earth sick. It's making the earth sick, and it's time for us to refuse the narrative and live our true soul path existence. We all came here for a reason. We're all here for something important, something potent. We're all players in this crazy thing that's happening right now. And I believe that we all came here as light beings on a mission to face our fears and transform them into lessons, which will heal the past, heal the present, and heal the future. This is our true opportunity. If isolation makes us realize how awful we are to each other, we now have to take a time, a karmic time out. Then let's come out noticing that we all need to support each other. Look to our fellow human beings and realize we're all being oppressed. Every single one of us, we're being oppressed by toxicity and sickness and mental illness. And it's blindly apparent because we're oppressing each other. We know that we're sick because we're oppressing the earth and we're oppressing each other. When we look at each other and see that our DNA is 99.9% .9 exactly the same and we're all different shades of brown. All of us share the same desire to be loved and feel healthy. The virus is not the enemy. Our current situation is caused by a fear, a fear of scarcity and not having enough. Main focus, job is to make, our, you know, the earth's main focus and job in everything is to make dirt, is to make soil. 
everything that it creates is eventually going to be soil. And that includes all of us. And the, and the earth gives soil abundantly, like so much. And there's plenty of space for all of us to live without fear of scarcity. And the current narrative supports scarcity through its food production methods, water management, food distribution and education, food and medicine sovereignty values the earth because those people who cultivate, produce and distribute the food are the ones who would be in control of how the food gets to the people. There's a direct connection from the earth to the people. As long as the money system controls our food and water, we will never truly be free because we will never truly be healthy. COVID is going to come and go, but scarcity mindset will grow as long as we continue to value money and power over healthy soil. If the earth's number one job is making soil, our number one job is to recognize that as our biggest asset. Thanks. And um, I would like for everyone to just do a quick introduction of themselves and where they are. And you can go around maybe um, the way that we're seeing each other on the screen. And then we're going to move into a prayer from Alexandra. So maybe, Terry, would you like to start? Uh, I'm Terry Willard. I'm a herbalist. And I'm from Vancouver Island presently. And I live on a little wee organic um, acreage here. Alex? Okay, and my name is Alexandra Lupold. Uh, originally, I came from Germany, and um, I live on the same property like Carrie, Vancouver Island, which I would say is our Canadian Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably very true, definitely. Yeah. Feeling really blessed. Thank you. Jacob and Carla? Hi. We're Jacob and Carla from Flower Days Farm in Trinity County in the Emerald Triangle. And we have a little three acre family farm and homestead and permaculture farm, food forest and um, cannabis garden. That. Aloha, Dash Kerr. Um, I'm the founder of uh, Hip Agriculture, a nonprofit on Hawaii Island. Uh, where he just uh, bought a new farm called Starseed Ranch, which is uh, 26 acres. It's our campus. It's a permaculture farm. We have uh, fruit trees, bees, a market garden, a dairy cow, and small-scale poultry, ducks, and chickens right now. Um, and, yeah, just stoked to be on the call and share what I can about the movement. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you for coming with and being here with us tonight. Daniel? Hey, I'm Daniel Stein with Iceland Forest Farm up here in Humboldt County. Uh, I'm originally from the Big Island, so um, it's really uh, it, joyous for my heart to see all these Big Islanders here uh, on the on with us. Um, we have a small farm up here in Humboldt County where we grow diverse veggies, animals, herbs. We do a couple farmers markets and provide uh, arm share CSAs for um, about families, as well as doing food for a few restaurants um, when restaurants are open. Exactly. <laughs> That's not funny, just kidding. <laughs> nope. Logan. 
in the yeah, house. Yeah, blessed love, blessed love. Can you hear me? All right, checking in. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Disappeared there. I got my iPhone working. But yeah, my name's Logan Silsley. I'm from the Big Island, Hawaii. And um, I'm a second generation ganja farmer. Been cultivating cannabis for 20 plus years. And um, I'm also a business owner, an entrepreneur. I own a record store, a culture shop, a smoke shop. I also just started the Institute of Natural Farming over here on the Big Island. Um, I'm a student of Master Cho and Masanobu Fukuoka. And um, I like to basically broadcast their message to the world. Um, and yeah, just, just a human being trying to live on earth and influence other human beings to be human is basically my whole mission. So, yeah. We appreciate that. You're a humus being. Yeah, we are humus beings. We got Hugh. We got Hugh. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Good one. Thank you for that. Um, Dave and Chelsea, how are you today? Good. Good to see you guys. Uh, we're Dave and Chelsea. We live up in Oregon in the Willamette Valley. And we have Sweet Leaf Organic Farm, which is a certified organic uh, fruit and vegetable farm where we manage about 90 acres and uh, support a handful of families that all work with us. We do farmers markets and wholesale and CSA, kind of the whole gig. And we also have uh, the plant, which is our recreational marijuana farm, which uh, a bunch of our other team works there too. We, we kind of all work together and separately on the two farms. and. Uh, that's what we do. We love and appreciate you. Thank you for being here. My man, Josh, and the family, tell them about what you, where you are and what you got going. Hey, you guys. How you doing? Um, it's really great to be here with y'all. And uh, my family and I, here, we're here in Mendocino County. Uh, we have a, a recreational cannabis farm, uh, 10,000 square foot. Uh, cannabis farm and uh, man like Logan said yeah just doing the trying to do the humus being thing while, while participating <laughs> in the legal market scene uh, and also growing a lot of our own food and um, you know just building a lot of our structures and building a lot of our own furniture and uh, just doing the back to the life back to the land uh, kind of deal and trying to influence others to follow the same path and build soil and save seeds and all the beautiful things that one can do on this planet. Hopefully Sandra can join us later on, my partner in crime. And your two beautiful boys and your family. We know your mom and dad's been helping you a lot lately, so that's really excellent. And you guys have a beautiful yeah. network there. It's been a hey, big blessing. Hey, so lovely to see you. Introduce yourself. Gosh, it's so great to see your smiling face. Thanks for joining us today. Tell us what's going on. Great. I'm super stoked to be here. I'm literally just pulled up from farmer's market. So I'm going to, I'm going to turn the video off for a couple of minutes to get unloaded. Got some greens and stuff to put away, but um, my farm is happy day farms. Me and my wife, Amber, my brother, Lito, my pops, um, we do poultry. Uh, we kind of plan around this year with some new additions of turkeys and ducks lots of veggies, two farmers markets and a CSA, um, and then small scale cannabis production. Um, so, you know, at this time of year is all the balls in the air and <laughs> lots of, lots of fun, lots of work. 
uh, definitely super stoked to be here. Uh, it's nice to see everybody's face. You know, it's kind of a, a strange reality we find ourselves in at this time. And so this is this feels like a very nice opportunity to check in. Much love. Blessings. Well, it's really wonderful to hear from you, this, this DEM pure community, this regenerative family that we've created. We're all here to try and we are making a difference. We're not trying, we're doing, we're making a difference. And tonight we're going to talk about, like we said, food security and food sovereignty and food security to us is, is the, the need, you know, the, the security of having food. But the, the, the beauty of, of food sovereignty and the reason why food sovereignty is, is important to recognize is because it talks about the political structure that goes along into food production and world trade and how, you know, how corporate food production has um, created clones and created crazy monocultures across the world that are failing right now. So it's really up to us to create something new. We know there's 40 million acres of lawns in America. There's 40 million acres 40 of lawns. 40 million acres of lawns. And those lawns take a lot of water and in many cases chemicals. And those lawns could be transformed into some beautiful food forest that could be small just for the family so that we could live in more abundance. We know that some communities and municipalities have even banned front yard gardens. So, you know, we're going to talk to these different people in these regions to hope to to bring light to you, to give you all something in your area, to, to some words to work with and some ways that you can influence your local community. So I just wanna thank everyone for being here. And um, and these these are the farmers that are doing it. These, these are the educators that, that are out there already, you know, creating this incredible life to see all of you on the screen here together. I know for a fact that each and every one of you have been working your ass off during this to make a difference and and we're all being sort of thrown into this new different world and and it's so amazing to see how our community of farmers and educators that are educating about the earth and its bounty are are really thriving right now and 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 how they feel and thriving and how we're connecting with people and and showing people exciting. how you're doing it and showing people your health and your abundance so um, thank you for this evening. Alexandra, would you open up this from here on and open us up with a, a beautiful thought yes. teaching? Thank you. Yes, sure. Just take a deep breath in, please. And as I'm sitting here, I like to acknowledge all of you here who came together and wanting to share so freely the wisdom and the knowledge that they have gathered of all their years. I acknowledge you, I, I acknowledge the life that is present in your heart. We are grateful for your sharing. I also like to acknowledge you who is watching this, who has been called to come and educate yourself, to see the shares. I also acknowledge the life that is present in your heart. I like to acknowledge the people of the land that we are all living on. The ones that are watching this video and you sitting here representing 
for a short moment, connect to the land where you are right now, where you're living, the land that supports you, your family, your life. And you acknowledge the people that come from that land that have lived long before we came along. I'd like to acknowledge your ancestors. Your ancestors that are yours, that you're coming from, from your family, that have passed on the life and love to you. They also have passed on to you solutions of life. We are asking especially the ones that also have lived through difficult times before us and survived survived to pass on the life to you as you have passed on the life to your children. And today I also like to acknowledge the store ancestors, especially the ones that brought the plant medicine to us, to us as human, in a way to help us with our own evolution, watching over us, guiding us gently. I acknowledge the great Mother Earth that provides us with everything that our physical body needs. I thank great Mother Earth for transforming energies that are not beneficial to us and transmuting them so that they will do no harm to anything else. I acknowledge the plant kingdom, no matter how small or big the plant is, all is part of a bigger community. In the animal kingdom, no matter how small or big that animal is, also part of the bigger community. At the mineral kingdom, from the small grain of the beach to the big rocks and mountains that hold great wisdom and have been here for a long time on this earth, releasing their wisdom to us. I'm asking all of us to open our hearts to meet each other in the heart space as we share, we come together as we share a global evolution and each of us in their own way as well. I am grateful for all your gifts that you share so freely. Maybe move forward together for the highest good of all life. Thank you. I really appreciate your energy so much. Thank you for your place on earth and your inspiration to us. Is, it's very touching and I appreciate it. And Terry, if you are ready for your presentation, we'd be very delighted to hear from I you. I am and we'll see if... Uh... You know, the host is disabled uh, attendees from sc screen sharing. So I can't do anything with the presentation I had. 
because Marcus is not here. Um, so I'll just talk about it, I guess. Um, that's Anyway, the long and the short of it, I've been asked, what are the best herbs to grow? Or more succinctly, what are my favorite herbs to grow for medicinal purposes? And that's kind of like asking a herbalist, who's their favorite child? Or what's your favorite mountain? I mean, there's hundreds of them. What can I say? So what I did, uh, and I can put this presentation together later, is I tried to split it up into five different categories. Ones that you should grow in your garden, um, ones that grow wild around you anyway, um, ones that are actually food products that you can turn into medicinal herbs quite a bit, and also ones for personal use. And I've also tried to put together some uh, for the South, but I want to leave because I was asked to, but I realize we've got three people here from Hawaii, so you're going to know the tropical plants and the ones that are best, so I'm going to leave that mostly to you. I've got a list of about 10 for each category, and I also, um, on the diagrams, I have a, a plant distribution um, system so you can see if they grow in your area. We won't be able to look at that directly, but we will be able to look at several of the aspects. I'd have to say that still one of my favorite herbs to grow on your property, and this includes almost all of North America, it doesn't include Hawaii for sure, but is echinacea. The reason echinacea is so good because it works on so many immune functions like we are doing, we're going through right now. Not that it would be something that would fix a virus or, or things like that, but it'll help prevent that. So I'd still have to say that's one of my favorite. And when I lived in Alberta, that was our major crop for quite many years, the echinacea, because it really still fortifies the whole body and protects us in that nature. The next one I had on my list was comfrey. Even though it grows throughout all North America, there's not one part of North America, wrong. maybe deep South Texas, it might not go. Alabama, you might not have it, but the rest of North America for sure. I like to tell my students that comfrey fix everything that's broken except for a broken heart. It doesn't do that. But it's cousin barrage as a flower essence fixes a broken heart. But comfrey is for broken bones. That's one of the common names known, a bone knit. It works on wounds. It works on abrasions. It works on building up bones. It works for strengthening. You can give it to your animals to strengthen them, especially if they've been injured. It can be used as an external salve. There's a little bit of a problem with pyridizing alkaloids in it, but we're not going to worry about that much because with lots of studies, it's basically never found in nature, as it would say. Another one I really like for growing is calendula. Again, a plant that is quite beautiful. Marigolds would fit into the same classification, but calendula can be grown almost anywhere in North America, and it works on all kinds of antiviral, antifungal, um, antibiotic type things. It's great for wounds. You could, if you have um, funkiness in your feet for one reason or another, athlete's feet, you can soak your feet in it. It works on wounds. It works on you know, diaper rash. It works on so many things. It certainly cools the area down. It also is a little bit of an insect repellent. Another one that I put in the growing list is motherwort. Motherwort is very good for, well, for mothering. It's good for milk. It's good for the whole things that work 
around mother, but it's also very good for your heart to protect your heart, to strengthen your heart. And it does this by calming down the anxiety. In a way, it's kind of like a beta blocker in a sense that it really gives you that fortification of strength in the female system, but it calms everyone down and gives it kind of less tension. Melissa or lemon balm can fit into exactly the same category. Uh, we just <laughs> harvested quite a bit. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before and the whole house smelled like <laughs> lemon balm. Oh, you've got some right there, Alexandra. Um, I love the smell. Just walking by it <laughs> and rubbing it is, is medicine enough for me. But fortunately we can dry it and preserve it and put it in teas for the winter. And again, it's very calming and very gentle. It has all kinds of antiviral factors and things like that. But those are the ones that I wanted to put together as the musk grows. I have a list of about 10 others, but those are the most product productive ones. And maybe we can share this some other way, some other time. As far as the ones that grow wild around you, my first one on this list, and again, it's circumpolar throughout all North America, is plantain. One of the first nation or uh, native names for it is white man's footprint meaning it goes everywhere the white man did. It wasn't native to North America. It came along with white folk, but it's everywhere we've disturbed the soil. So it heals the soil really well, but it's great for all kinds of wounds. It's good for hemorrhoids. It's good for ointments. It's good for wound medicine. It works on all those kinds of things. And it's hard to find a place where you can't find plantain. I can't tell you how many people have been walking around our little farm or, or various places and someone's got a problem and Alexander lots of times running out, oh, let's get some plantain and stick it in it. We've used it for so many things over the years. It's pretty amazing. The next one I got, it's kind of a Chinese Japanese herb, but it's burdock, you know it. It's the one that gives you, you know, poor man's Velcro. Um, Every part of burdock is useful. In, in Japanese um, um, culinary thing is called gobo, and I love eating gobo in the early spring or in the fall, depending on um, when you get it. Um, it works really good as a nutrient. The, the leaves will work well. Great as toilet paper. The seeds of it, the burrs are extremely good for kidney chi to build up that. So the Chinese use that quite a bit. I also put as another wild one is stinging nettles. You know it when you run into it, you can feel it as stings, but it's so mineralizing. In fact, there's a group of herbalists who've been traveling all over North America, usually the rainbow gatherings, and, and, and the, sometimes they call themselves the green cross because they, they show up to all the events where there's social unrest and protesting and stuff like that. And whenever you go to one of these protests, you know, a, a G8 summit or whatever, they have a little tense and the first thing they do is they give you a mug of nettle tea because it again calms you down, remineralizes you and grounds you. So it's a great thing. <laughs> what is my favorite? Oh, um, I saw someone there that might be able to change that sharing of the screen there. He walked by, oh well, he's gone. Um, I think he's coming in, he's gonna try. Okay, so if he gets it, I'll, I'll, I'll run through that. The, the stinging nettles can be used for so many different aspects. Um, as a, a rubefacient, uh, if you've got arthritis, it works as a nutrient. My favorite thing is, is spinach panicopita. Instead of using, I'm sorry, 
um, nettle spanakopita, instead of using spinach, you put the nettles in or some 50-50. We often have that at Easter around here because it's the prime time to get it. And I, we like it in salads. We put it with our eggs and stuff like that, really like it. Yarrow, not only is it the name of my son or one of my sons, it's a very good diaphoretic. It helps for bleeding. Its scientific name is a chilia, and it comes from the Battle of Troy. It was used to be able to do that. I'm just going to try this right now to see if, if uh, host is disabled. No, it's still disabled there. And of course, we can't forget one of the most important herbs of all, dandelion. Another plant that came along with the various white folk as they were traveling around all over the place. And it can be used for liver problems, used for kidney problems. Um, it can tell if you like butter or not. Well, that's buttercup, but it's almost the same. Um, dandelion can grow absolutely everywhere. As far as food ones are concerned, um, some of the ones that I use for that were garlic, of course, is good for cholesterol, cayenne, thyme, rosemary, chamomile, oregon, parsley. Each one of these herbs has tremendous medicinal properties in it. I also put a category for personal use. Whenever you've got a little farm or a homestead or your house, you've got to go through the list of everything in your, your family might need, things that they might find very useful. Let's say you have someone who has migraine headaches um, on a regular basis. You might want them to take Feverfew. Feverfew does exactly what it says, brings down your temperature, but it really works on migraine headaches. I've had a lot of patients over the years that get migraine headaches two, three times a week, especially when I lived in Alberta and there's all the schnooks. It'll cool the body down, but it really gets rid of those migraine headaches. Uh, another personal one, if a person's depressed, St. John's Ward, or maybe they have insomnia or they have um, problems with the nervous system, maybe valerian, or maybe a pregnant woman, we might use raspberry leaves. Or maybe you have an old guy like myself who has prostate issues. Then you've got pumpkin seeds, nettle root, fire, weed root. All of these have beneficials in that area. And the last category I'm going to look at here is some plants that you might want to plant if you're in the south area, south of the Mason-Dixon line, as it were, or you know maybe California's passionflower, ginger, cayenne, maybe you're over in the desert, chaparral, and of course, if you're in Hawaii, kava, kava. I mean, it grows great in the Polynesian areas, and I've seen many different people with that, and that's another psychotropic. I left out one herb for the last, of course, but we all grow it anyway, right? It's cannabis. Cannabis works absolutely fantastic for all the medicinal purposes. It's one of our favorite, and um, we've had a, we have a cannabis course going at Wild Rose College right now, and we're really thrilled with the various things and the discussions we're having of how it works on the endocannabinoid system and how that has so much functions for so many stresses. And I'm going to leave her for that. I went through so many herbs so fast, it's ridiculous. But those are some of my favorite herbs that, well, we have here on our little place and we've had in other farms that we've been on over the years, but they're the essentials. But of course, you want to find your essential, what's right for your family, what health issues. But this lease gives us a, a good little start. I'm going to go on mute so we can move over to our next person. Terry, that is so wonderful because I think a lot of people can really relate to a lot of the, the ailments that you're saying. And so many of the herbs that you were mentioning are really easy for people to grow or they're just growing all around. So 
becoming really um, knowledgeable about just even the herbs growing in the sidewalk and in your backyard are just so incredibly helpful. And that's what's so nice about and, herbs is, yeah, they're everyone's medicine. You don't actually have to grow anything and you can become very healthy and have a great medicine kit. Exactly. And I really love that, you know, a lot of the teachings that, that we also do is, is the same. You're talking about all these medicines that you can become secure with and, and even sovereign with um, to treat humans. And we talk a lot about so many, almost all of the herbs that, that you're talking about healing humans can also heal plants. So it's just really Especially wonderful when we talk Camomile about medicine. Camomile plants that work on other plants. Yeah. And, and, and when Valerian. we talk, yeah. And when we talk about, you know, medicine sovereignty, we are talking about food sovereignty because plants heal plants and plants heal humans. And thanks so much. That was just really beautiful. Oh, and hopefully at the end of this or at some time, we're going to be able to let everybody see some of the visuals of those. Plants. I wouldn't mind hearing about um, how you uh, grafted cannabis onto hops back in, what was it, 1971? Yes, that was in the early days when it was really illegal. <laughs> but I did have I did have hops grow having uh, cannab uh, cannabinoids growing in it, which was quite exciting. Even though we really didn't understand back then what a cannabinoid is, all we know we smoked it, we got high. That's what we did. I like it. So Dash, you are coming culture you said on the big eye we would just love to hear what, um some of your perspective and, this and, evening. and you know i just wanted to come in you know you gave a, a short introduction of yourself but i just really wanted to tell you out there the tremendous work that this man dash and his partner erica are doing for the big island of hawaii children um for education right education about land about food sovereignty about food security you know it, just being able to visit you all I just I just felt the sense of earth and of love and of stewardship and and you know so so much gratitude for the work that you all are doing on the island um, please tell tell everybody about it and even maybe about the INFS if you have that yeah yeah, give thanks. Uh, mahalo. It's a total reflection uh, with you guys and the other couples and people on the call of just, uh, you know, that heart for service for humanity, for the land, for the children, uh, for the good works. So uh, as I mentioned, we're here on Hawaii Island and we've been farming here uh, 12 years now and have just been totally uh, accepted and blessed and welcomed by a beautiful Ohana uh, Kai Koholo Kai. Actually, he's a La'al Lapa'al practitioner. Uh, really brought us in uh, to a lot of the teachings, but uh, essentially we're, you know, we were here, you know, farming on a 17 acre permaculture farm, just living the life, raising our children, so much abundance, so much fruits, you know, starch coming out of the garden, fresh eggs, our own raw dairy, you, you know, um, all the local food stuffs, table fat. And uh, we had a desire and urge. It's like, we realized that others in our community didn't have that same access. And uh, it was kind of like the rich man we were working for, it was his exclusive privilege to have this level of food abundance. And we were kind of like, no, 
we want to open this up. We want to open source it. We want everyone to know that uh, the land in Hawaii is incredibly fertile. I mean, and really the earth is incredibly fertile and abundant and we have an opportunity to work with the earth to create this abundance. So that was actually uh, some of the first reasons that we're offering programs for youth. Our longest running program has been a field trip program where we bring youth to the farm for hands-on learning experiences. We served a thousand children last year uh, through our farm field trip, in-class presentations, high school mentorship and internship uh, programs. So that's really, really awesome. And I will say all those seeds we've planted in the youth over the year to become activated, inspired, to become land stewards. Uh, with COVID hitting, we uh, launched the announcement for our high school summer internship. We had overwhelming amount of applications, the most amount of applications we've ever had. So it seems like even the youth are waking up with this crisis. And it's cool to see some of those seeds that we've planted already starting to like crack. Um, and so we're getting ready to host 12 youth on the farm. Uh, five days a week for six weeks where it's just going to be a full immersion into to farming with us and making this land move. Um, but so we, um, with that, we wanted to share the abundance. We started doing programs and education. We organized Ina Fest, which just last year we had uh, the 10th annual Ina Festival. We've had incredible musicians all over the world that are, are super aligned with that message. Uh, like Nako Bear, um, you know, Amber Lily guys, Trevor Hall, Oka, just so, so many cool musicians, Mike Love, that are just kind of some more. Basically as a way to get that word out that, hey, we can create abundance. We can create our own food sovereignty. We can grow our own food and herbal medicine. Uh, we too grow medicines on the farm, including kava kava, ashwagandha, goto cola. Guayusa, um, those are some of our favorite ones. Ginger and turmeric, of course, a lot of Olena we've grown over the years. So uh, we're really you know, committed to this work and it's a, it's a crucial, crucial time, I would say, um, to educate. And, and I think the word is resiliency. You know, um, a lot have been sharing that, but how resilient are we on our farm? You know, how adaptable are we? How do we um, adjust and pivot to crises? Do, do we have all the elements on our permaculture farm? You know, do we have the timbers, the fruit trees, the starch crops, um, you know, the livestock, that whole closed loop system? Uh, so we're here. We've been creating it. We still have a lot more work to do. And uh, we're working to inspire others to, to join us with these efforts. And, you know, like I share with our students that how do you really have sovereignty without that foundation of food? And particularly in Hawaii, we're dependent on all of these imports from the mainland. And so it's like the only way we're going to restore the kingdom or restore sovereignty, we got we to gotta have the land base, we got to have the ground, you know, we got to have the production and, and that will empower that. So I did forget to set my timer. How am I doing on time, guys? No, you're great. You know, you're doing one awesome. of the things that you know stands out is the beautiful bananas, all things, and you hear hearing a lot of you know these days about bananas are dying in the world, and how there's one type of banana, the Cavendish banana, and how there's the tropical race four disease, which is the TR four, and that's a Fusarium disease. And um, you know, I was really impressed with both you and Logan and and uh, the Dragonheart Farm over there with just the diversity and, you know, just 
can you talk about the importance of growing different things together so that you um, you know can avoid those types of things? I mean, we're if you look up, you know look it up online, there's just a vast tracts of land just going to waste right now. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's funny I was just sharing about this earlier with our apprentices in the context of biodiversity and this unique uh, time in history. You know, Hawaii. Uh, the Hawaiians basically created a whole civilization and culture off 24 canoe crops, which blows my mind living for thousands of years on the island, you know, clothing, buildings, instruments, tools, everything from 24 plants, uh, sustaining a population much larger on Hawaii Island than we even have right now. And so fast forward, if you, you know, um, fast forward, you know, after contact and we now have all these new introductions. So just even right next door here, we have 50 uh, avocado varieties. There's over 100 durian varieties. You know, down the road for me, there's over 60 mango varietals. Um, we have a huge uh, germplasm on property of um, heirloom kalo, um, traditional bananas or mai'a, uh, traditional heirloom kava varietals. And then of course, of all these tropical uh, tree species and fruits and ethnobotanical plants. So you know, it's a unique, unique time in history that we can just order these seeds online, that our friends have all these cuttings, that we have these ability to, to bring this diverse set of genetics to our land that's basically gonna, what's the goal in permaculture, right? Like year round fruit, year round food, um, you know, accessible medicine in the pantry. So we can definitely increase our biodiversity um, by doing that, by collecting plants and uh, growing out your, your on-farm germplasm and I'm just, with COVID, you know, so many people are just headed back to the garden and are really feeling that call. And um, it's a good time to not only plant a garden, but just increase our resiliency skills across the board. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. I'd love to hear a little later after we hear from some of the other people, maybe about the Kava Kava ceremony and, and, and why that's, you know, important. We really appreciated that while we were there. And the importance of now and 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 what's going on in our society and and i see you all as like you know definitely the sacred holders of the information of the kava so let's get back to that later i, I doubt really really awesome thanks so much and big love to erica and the family there and logan we would love to hear from you we really you, we spent a good amount of time with you when we were on the island and you shared your home with us and you shared your family with us and your space. We really appreciated that your medicine and everything that you're doing on your land is really impressive. And when, and like Dash said, you know, it was kind of, you know, you hear about it, but when you go to the islands and you, and you realize that night, you know, 95 to 98% of the food on the island is imported, you know, it, and you, then you go to your farm and you just realize that how unnecessary that is. So, um, you know, we'd love to hear about what you're doing and, and go a little deeper. And just before, I would like to just uh, welcome Marcus to the to the area. We love you, Marcus. Thank you. Tosh held it down there for us. He really did. Much love. I'm glad Tosh was able to uh, get this all going. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was really helpful. Big, big love and appreciation to him. So Logan, please. Without further ado. Yeah, yeah, greetings and love. You know, I just um, really just came into this situation uh, being these DEM sharing uh, workshops here online is super critical. 
and uh, we give thanks for the space and give thanks for the time. I'm going to jump right in and um, basically just break down that the, the current situation um, with the, the pandemic and everything has really got people thinking. You guys following me? Everybody hearing me good? I love it. Thank you. And okay. I like pandemic too. Yeah, they got everybody really thinking about about what is life, you know, what is necessity, what is uh, what is uh, survival on the planet Earth, and and what is what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, can we be living in these city situations and uh, and still survive on the uh, some kind of disruption in the food supply? And these are real questions that we got to ask ourselves, you know. And uh, like Marcus Garvey said, he said, move ten miles from the city if you want to survive as a human. So I heed those calls and uh, those, those are the kind of works that, that we participate in and empowering human beings. So um, before I jump into what I wanted to present, I'll just quickly go over um, the Institute of Natural Farming, which uh, I just started. Um, actually, the Dragonfly Earth presentation was the first presentation. That was what, about three months ago or so? And, yeah, uh, no, that was really wonderful, beautiful turnout. Oh, so special! The vibe that you know you're creating is just so. And your so mother's amazing. restaurant was, ex you know, just extremely blessed amazing. love, and everybody who showed up. Oh, please. Yeah, so we give thanks for that, and it was a great way to kick it off. And um, like you said, it was a great turnout, and the the seeds that we planted there, I you know, I get uh, reactions almost weekly, even daily, about the seeds that we planted at that event. But anyway. Um, with, uh, with the pandemic and the shutdown, nobody was obviously coming to the school anymore. So we just took a little hiatus, but we're gonna come back strong because like Dash said, there's uh, interest in this natural farming, there's interest in food sovereignty like never before. Going back to how I opened the conversation about people realizing a time is at hand when uh, self-sufficiency is a key to uh, being a human being on earth. And, um, and now's the time to make the move if it wasn't before, if you didn't listen to the warnings before from our elders, from, uh, from the musicians, from the, the great teachers of the past, well, you better pay attention now because uh, we saw what's going down and we saw what's happened when you're dependent on someone else to provide your food for you and to provide uh, your everything for you. So yeah, self-sufficiency, uh, self-dependency, sovereignty is a must. So what I wanna do is I kinda wanna jump in and I don't know if many people know who this man is. This is Masanobu Fukuoka. And, uh, and I just want to really ask everyone if, if we really forgot about God, you know? Did we forget about God? Or did the, did the Western civilization destroy God in your mind so much that you don't love him anymore? You don't love her anymore. You don't love it anymore. And that's what I think happened. And Masanobu Fukuoka is a great leader and a man so go read one strive revolution and he shows you that god is nature nature is god god nature is god's creation and and if we depend on god then everything is all good you know that that he's got our back 100 percent, and he always has before safeway was around before any of these things was around we all were dependent on on the most high and then we all got through that way so read some masinobu fukuoka and, and return to god is a is a big piece of advice that i have um whatever name you want to call that creator that's up to you i'll just go with the generic term god for the sake of conversation but you guys all know what we're talking about and when you're out there in the soil you get your feet on the ground you get that your hands in the dirt you smell that humus 
you got the microbes running around on you. Don't tell me that you're not having a spiritual experience because that's all you're having is a spiritual experience. So that's what we need to realize is that farming is not only about production. It's about the experiences of connecting with nature and with life and with God, with the life force energy. So that, that, that's a big part missing from Western agriculture. And uh, that's a big part of what I teach. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, there's a war on microorganisms right now. The, uh, the pandemic is a perfect example of this war on microorganisms. You better sanitize everything and you better wear a mask too because we want you as unhealthy as we can get you. So breathe in that CO2 and carbon dioxide and make sure you stay indoors because we don't want you getting no vitamin D, right? Okay, so we need to realize there's a war on microorganisms. Kelly always shares this in her presentation about how the imbalance of microorganisms, how the, the dark microbes or the evil microbes, whatever you want to call it, there's, a, there's an imbalance towards this darkness that's come, come into the, the earth and it's a war on microorganisms. Let me get to the case in point. We start with the soil, Western agriculture. What is Western agriculture? What is chemical fertilizer? They bypass the microbe to feed the plant. Either that's evil genius or someone's so dumb that they just bucked up on it, one or the other, because they bypass a microbe to feed the plant. Boom, it's a war on microorganisms. All you get from those plants is unhealthy cellulose, just dead, just thing that looks like a plant, but there's nothing in it. So we don't want them kind of things. And number two, the war on microorganisms starts with the human belly within the human biome. We all know this at the DEM family, but maybe the greater, the greater uh, people out there don't understand that there's, there's more cells on this, this here mass that I call my body. There's more cells that aren't my human cells than are my human cells. You, you understand what I'm saying? There's more microorganisms that make up this body by cell count than human cells. So what, like, what are we really? What, what are we but, but, a, but a vessel for microorganisms? You know, what is a plant? A plant is a microorganism macro aggregate, right? Does the, does the microorganism exist for the plant or does the plant exist for the microorganism? And this is what we got to start asking ourselves, these questions. The microorganisms, you know, you, you could even say they're godly or God, you know, you could go that far. And there's a war on microorganisms. And, uh, and we're presently in it. And they're gonna tell you to spray your counter and to wipe your handles and, and don't let your kids touch no other kids, which is the exact message that's the opposite of what we should be teaching, right? We all know this as, as earth human beings and practitioners on the earth, nature's got your back. Nature's got your back. <laughs> nature doesn't create nothing that doesn't got your back. If there's an imbalance in the system, nature will take care of it. Doesn't mean that it's evil. Doesn't mean that it's out there to harm you. It's mean that it's balancing out nature. Just like when, when a virus is created in the body and you flush your toxins because you forgot to do your uh, due diligence and clean your system on your own. So, uh, so the most side takes care of it for you. So yeah, there's a war on microorganisms. Um, it, it's, it's gone from the soil to the food to the human and now it's gone to the environment with the COVID nonsense and it's gone to the environment. They got people in Italy, in Spain, spraying down streets with sanitation stuff. 
they got they got wash your hands at every stop sign and market anywhere you go so so there's a war out there there's a war on god there's a war on microorganisms and it's time to stand up and really just take a stance and say what side of this war am i on what do i believe in what do i stand for is it is it truths and rights and food sovereignty family health love vibrance abundance or is it about control is it about a uh, uh, monocropping and monoculturing and you know, we got to ask ourselves these questions and we got to just be adults already and, and step up to the plate and, uh, and start doing what we know is right, like these beautiful human beings here on Dragonfly Earth Medicine's team are doing. Um, Dash and those guys up in, in Kohala are crushing life, man. They're teaching all the youth them skills, teaching all the people how to, how to be sovereign and plant food here in Hawaii. It's a great thing, man. That's, that's what's a must. So we're going to do the same thing and everyone else in Dragonfly Earth Medicine is going to do the same thing. And uh, just to move through my notes, spirituality and farming, we need to bring it back. I was just listening to a podcast last night or two nights ago from Ray Archuleta. Anybody heard about this man, Ray Archuleta? He's, a, he's supposed to be like one of these next big uh, natural farming guys that are working with Midwest farmers and big production farmers and everything. Anyway, his main takeaway when he was asked on the Regenerative Agriculture podcast, what's your message to the people? And this is, so this is a big man, right? This isn't Logan, the little guy. This is the big man. He said it's spirituality and farming. We need to bring God back in the picture. That's his message too, man. So don't think I'm just ranting and raving and some crazy guy over here talking about God and thing. Uh, Ray Archuleta said the same thing. Masanobu Fukuoka said the same thing. Master Cho said the same thing. Rudolf Steiner said the same thing. Garden Awakening. Do you guys read this book? You should read this book. Everyone should read this book. There you go. Read that, that one. Anastasia said the same thing. Read some Anastasia. Go touch some earth. Go eat some microbes. Go connect with God, with your creator, with your goddess, whatever, whatever it is. Go do it, man. And, and, and be real already. Be a human being. Uh, show some love. Don't stand up for BS. Don't stand up for unjust. Uh, suggestions from your governor just because he said to bow down to him you know it's time it's time we take some sovereignty and humanity back into our own hands uh, quickly too just to keep rolling through these things food choices we're talking about making farming easy sovereignty in farming we'll just do it easy you just grow what grows good in your region super simple fed me for four days it would feed a family of four for two days a baseball-sized tarot i don't understand why everybody thinks we need such a, a hectic farm to make this sovereign thing work what 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 is why what are we doing why i mean I can, it's cool animals are your friends and everything but what are we doing why are the animals why what what's going on we don't even need all this intense farming we just need to kick back and let nature take care of us the one the the rack of bananas I ate, I could have fed 20 families with that one rack of banana for the night. Easy. And the rack's still just sitting at my house going to compost. I'm gonna feed most of it to the worms. You know, so this is a reality that we're dealing with. We need to grow crops that grow in abundance and feed us nutrition that's real nutrition. So we got we got these starches, we got these greens, we got 
uh, pigeon pea, you know, what, what else do we need? Like, really? I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like a super healthy guy or anything, but I'm definitely not obese and I'm definitely not super skinny. And, um, I don't still understand what people need. Why, why it's such a, uh, why it's such a hard situation for people to like simplify themselves and to simplify their diets and, and not have to like really eat so much calories and all these things. It's, it, I think we just, as a human race, we need to re evaluate what who we are on this planet what we're doing and our impact and what we actually need to be concentrating our energy on so if daniel was here uh with, from the talking about taro he would tell you that the native hawaiian hawaiians needed to eat taro because that's what makes you a hawaiian the food that you eat do you know what taro is taro kalo is our big brother kalo is our big brother let that sink in for a minute if you follow the mythology, if you follow the tales, this firstborn son of Mama and Papa was was our brother that got planted and became Kalo. Think about that. Think about the depth. For art thou thy brother's keeper? Who nourishes you but your family, but God? These, these things are, are critical. We need to uh, tap back into reality and stop living in the fantasy. We need to eat the, our, our ancestral foods. Is it 10 minutes up? Yeah, 10 minutes? Pretty close, pretty close. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go all day here. Um, uh, let me just finish with a few points. Um, Self-sovereignty, self-sufficiency equals, or food sovereignty equals self-sovereignty. So when we, when we pair the two together, it makes it a lot more easy. A couple other points I want to make. A culture treats a how a culture treats a woman is how the culture treats their earth. So remember that. Because what's the earth but mother? Right? So, so you can just tell like how these people treat their earth. You know how they treat their women too. So you better understand that, that these things are all connected. And uh, just to, to the point of, of sovereignty, food preservations, learn how to preserve the foods in your regions, learn how to dry, uh, how to can, how to dehydrate, how to ferment, um, look into KNF, look into Masanobu Fukuoka. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I could go on for, forever, but uh, yeah. Who's growing who? Dude, who's growing who? How, about, how about look into Logan? <laughs> <laughs> nice, and we wanted to add roots. Stout to that. Ruth Amazing Stout Quaker. Is a, she was a Quaker that was born in 1888 from Kansas, and her whole do nothing gardening book is basically pile up hay and grow stuff in it and watch uh, nature make soil. So, you know, um, basically it's make soil like your life depends on it because it does. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree, agree. Thank you so much, Logan. Thank you so All much right. for your passion. We appreciate you. And we're going to come I, I back hope, around. I hope you'll invite me again after that rant. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That'll keep you back, coming back for sure. <laughs> is, um, is Daniel? Daniel. Stein, okay, good. Daniel yeah. and Taylor. So good. So we have the, the Aloha, California, mm -hmm. love connection. We're really excited to hear from you. Tonight. And I and I just I I gotta you know you introduced yourself, um, but I, I just gotta put on some more love for any of you all who don't know about this couple and this farm. You really need to you need to go on Instagram. 
you need to check them out. So you, the, the love that you all put into the farm and your family is overwhelming. Sometimes I see the photos and I get teary. I just, I just feel the community, you know, knowing you all and the people that you are and the stewards that you are and, and the holders of the medicine and the holders of good community and be good family. I'm just so thankful to know you all and I've learned so much from you all and really impressed with what you all are doing on the farm this year and, and what you've done with all the teachings um, you know that we've all been sharing with each other you guys have really you know done a lot with it so so tell us about how you all are are what what you all are doing with community and with your farm that's that's going to help farmers out and help community out to become more food sovereign and medicine sovereign Excellent. Thank you so much Thanks, for having us. I'm so glad, speaking of community, I'm so glad Taylor can join us because her mom showed up today and is with our children yeah. right now. So Taylor yep. can be with us here on this call. Um, and I just want to shout out to the Big Island. I, I planted a lot of trees and tended a lot of gardens in the on the Big Island over the years and watched soil there grow and there, there's nowhere I can imagine in the world that is laid out more plainly. It's an island of rock. You build soil right on top of it and you drive down the road and you can see the properties where they're not building soil. It's just rock. And then you see the property line and it's like feet of soil and lush, abundant, abundant vegetation. So, so to all, all of uh, you guys on the big island doing the good work, I, I, I praise you and um I hope uh, some of those fruit trees I planted up there in Javi and, and down in South Kona are, are, are feeding <laughs> some of our Ohana still. Um, yeah, one of the things, I moved back to, to California from Big Island about, about 20 years ago. And, um, and Taylor. And I joined, let's see, like 10, 12 years ago now. And from Big Island, I'd been living there a few years and working on finding a way to get closer. I really loved what you had been saying. Is it who was right before us, Logan, about just trying to find source and that connection in the soil and the natural world. And I was definitely someone coming from Utah. I'd had a very skewed version of that and arriving in Hawaii where I, it does feel like it's one of those vortexes energy on earth and was just hyper-injected with that essence of life and source and power and and the power that that gives you and what you can do back to it. And so Daniel and I met on this trajectory and. Yeah, when we're, we were very much on that path of, of self-sufficiency of like farming and gardening to, to create food for ourselves, to create a homestead. Um, you can see part of our house behind us that we, we cut and milled timbers and, and, and built with our own hands. And, and so much of that, doing what we could to provide for our own lives. But what we came to uh, 10 years ago is a similar thing to, to um, what a couple of folks have been talking about, where it's bigger. You look around you and you see, so what if I'm taken care of? I'm part of a larger organism and, and I need to, to support my community in this. And um, Taylor and I started farming um, for market about 10 years ago, sharing with our community um, and, and really saw how much creating a marketplace and creating a farmer's market is a node and a hub for building community. 
um, farmers markets and the, the kind of commerce that happens on that individual level of things we've created with our own hands from the earth or skills or crafts that we create ourselves and sharing them with each other with community um, does, does so much for us. It's, um, and I think I'm going to jump in there like with skill, like we, this is the era of farmers markets. There was the slow food movement and this explosion of an understanding or the beginning of an understanding of what our relationship to food is and what the growing food looks like. And the markets across this country are amazing. And we've been fortunate to participate in a couple of markets that are beautiful, thriving, best access to food on earth you can have. And that's one level and we love that level. And we wanna see that, that's what, you know, Whole Foods looked over and saw what we were all creating and tried to stuck in that level of gorgeous access to the most beautiful food. And then what we realized, we had some access to the bigger kits and we're like, there's something else that's still not quite there because it just felt, very much like the the capitalist view of food and just like come in and you show me your best food and I will buy it and I will haggle you down. And you know, it was, there were things about it we loved, but there were things that were still missing. And over the years we realized we needed kind of the smaller market, which felt more like the villages all throughout that then gathered at the larger market, you know, seasonally. And we wanted that smaller, like your absolute community that you, that you are kind of, responsible for energetically and they give back to you in that same way and then as food producers how do you tie into that that level of community and so and it's such an important thing on on all these levels when we created a small um community market in in our village uh, and surrounding area of bryceland what we realized is it encourages everybody to to join in to step up their game say there's somebody who's learning to bake and they see this market and they say okay how can i bring this up to this level to share with my community we have um folks who uh, were um curing olives and planted more olive trees and are curing more olives to share with their community so it it encourages people to take their passions and their skills and to, to refine them and, and build the, those skills to a point that they can share them with their community. And it, it, those kind of small informal markets are like an incubator for that. It's this safe place for people to, to bring what they have and, and literally put it on the table for their mm -hmm. community mm -hmm. um, and, and to share it. And in that way, it also, for a small community, we talk about self-sufficiency. None of us are self-sufficient on our homesteads. We can have all the timber crops, we can have all, all the food and protein and all that, but yeah. we're, we're humans and, and we're yeah, social and homesteads we're, we're never... part of a group. We're, we're interdependent. Mm -hmm. and, and what we started seeing when we did these um, farmer's markets is, is also what was missing. Like, here's an opportunity. We have all these things, but there's nobody here that's that is producing fiber. There's nobody here that, that's- Or honey or- the bakers but it, it it really does feel and you'll everyone who's taken the homestead and the land into their hands and decided they're going to care for themselves has had this moment of realization of like everything you take on is so much and it's amazing but villages sustained like units of humans living around a love of a place are what sustained through the ages so this is like 
passing off some of those things where it's like, I love doing this, or maybe I don't, but you have the time and the energy and the passion and you can carry that torch and you carry that torch and like all of those torches coming together are really bright. <laughs> and so I feel like that's what we have found with um, the community market that we started here in Bryceland. And, and just another point that I like, I, I love this aspect of it because when I, I think about community, there's, we, we all have overlapping interests, you know, whether it be music or, or other things, but a community marketplace for food, everybody eats. So everybody comes and it's this chance to check in with community and, and to have this regular check-in with people both individual and as a whole. Where's everybody at energetically? And where are people at individually? Maybe there's an elderly person in your community that lives alone and, and you see them at market every week. And sometimes you see them and they're like, oh, they're not looking well. You connect with them and say, how are you doing? Do you need firewood for this winter? You, you get to have that individual regular connection with people that's not based on, um, you know, an an interest it's based on food it's mm -hmm. everybody's interest it's based on community and it's um it is a node it it's something that's built on it's a catalyst that community becomes larger and larger as you create that catalyst it's a seed that sprouts into a healthier community both literally by feeding people good food and metaphorically by bringing people together around something real. And then like something that that dovetails for me, the other thing that brings people together and I'm experiencing this lot as a mother, it, the children, like the, you bring food to the place and then you make a space for children to gather and it's like, and then everybody comes. <laughs> That's what I've seen one of our, multiple times. <laughs> one, of, one of the um, matriarchs of our community um, does a puppet show at our small farmer's market every, every week. And it's just like, everybody shows up five minutes before the puppet show and the kids come running in and, and they're so excited. And it, it's just a joy to see how that's recognized and how much people look forward to it and and the stories she's able to tell with the puppets and the stories the children are able to tell and then like the you know we kind of all get together and talk like what are the things we want to teach the kids and it's this this opportunity for the elders or the soon-to-be elders or whatever to to really have the kids attention and i don't know how how many of you have seen a puppet show lately? They can be amazing. <laughs> like, it really, it was, it was surprising. There's been a few times over the last couple of years where I'll look around this tiny market and it is tiny. It's six booths, eight booths, you know, like people just lovingly setting up in this little shady nook in our town. And I'll look around and just be like, this is what I was looking for. This is exactly, we're like building a little village. It's so cheesy. Like if you were to just drop in, it would just seem like out of a book. <laughs> but it's like, it's holding this, this place for humans to really thrive. And I see us all thrive by it. And I see us take care of each other through it. And everybody, it, it builds heart. Yeah. But I, one of the things I, you know, I, I know it, it's a joy and it's something we, We'd like to share, and there, there's a lot that, that goes into it, a lot of thought that goes into creating space for market. And we are interacting with um, a system that is still in place and, and um, does have a lot of power throughout it. So what, some of the things we'd learned 
through creating a market and through the, the challenges and the successes, um, thought we'd, we'd share a little. If anybody out there is like, I want to create a market in my community, where do I even start? Um, find a place. Find someone who has an open space to do it. And you can go with like the easy public space, like along a road where people will stop, but that will bring attention from other people as well. Or, or a, a more private space on private property. Um, we, we like it on the road, like near a road. We like everyone to feel welcome. We, we do it on a property that belongs to a school and they are an umbrella nonprofit. So they've provided insurance and a commercial kitchen and, and an infrastructure for us to create this by. And, um, it, and another thought is like, then how do you reach out to your community? Do you, have, um, do you have signage? Do you have advertising? Do you have word of mouth? How do you reach out and, and, and intentionally bring those people in and then, and then have the, the people um, spontaneously drawn in as well? Um, and, and something we've learned um, is if you're gonna live outside the law, be impeccable. <laughs> <laughs> safety on point yeah. <laughs> um you know yeah, be so confident in everyone you know that is at that that farm stand that they they get what you know the reality and they take it seriously we've occasionally run afoul of the law <laughs> happens when you do things right but um but be cautious be smart be persistent and you know you know there are many places that have um Community, not, community kitchen. It's been 10 minutes. <laughs> what was You're all good. Uh, Keep going. Get shots. It's lovely. We're going to go over anyway tonight. All of this information is way too potent and lovely. Just just keep rolling. Right on. Right on. Well, the kid timer will go off any minute. <laughs> well, we appreciate you making the difference. And like, I just want to put out there, we're available. You know, you can contact us on Instagram. You can contact us through Facebook or our email, Bryceland Forest Farm on all those, uh, on all those avenues. I, if you have questions about setting up markets, if you have questions about farming, you know, I, I just wanted to put in just a little plug. Like if you want to farm for your community, if you want to farm for market, that's that's hard do it good like get get it down because the the most important part of it for us is how do you do it efficiently enough to keep doing it for mm -hmm. decades i want to be farming when i'm 85 years old i want to be farming not just for myself i want to be providing for for you know 100 families and that kind of farming is um, so hard it, it, it takes all day <laughs> yeah. every day and you really have to think about about economically and about your systems and about efficiency of of doing things to bring that amount of food to people and um it takes a lot of support um yeah a, a lot of education and a lot a lot of intention to stay true to that and to I, that path. I would say like it's of course key to make your farm business financially viable like that's got to be there if you're going to continue with it but i i have found that for us what has sustained us 
so much is the, the soul food that comes from markets and CSAs and just finding ways to weave that, that reality in. Because if you're working this hard to make food, you really want to feel the warmth of that flame like when you gather together. And that's what markets have really started to feel like is like we're gathering together around the food and the children <laughs> and just let's like look at the things that's, that are our future. This is our future and we love it and beautiful things happen there spontaneous things it's stuff that you can't put a price tag on and you know a little market is not nearly as profitable as the bigger market and our big market's still a tiny one where you know where we live but i can't believe how much that little market holds us up and just is the the, the guiding light and build into your your farm model those kind of rewarding interactions with the people that you love and that you're feeding and that you're that your your community um plant seeds of a new paradigm because um you know you plant seeds in the pattern you want the world to be and and creating a new kind of commerce with your community that's not based on currency that's based on barter and trade and taking care of each other that's that's what we want that's what we want we want to we want a commerce based on love not based on yeah that's on exactly what it is <laughs> a commerce based on abundance yeah and so plant those seeds plant then, seeds of abundance one other looking at our notes really quickly like if if i were to like tell anyone the few things if you want to start a market small one especially is that consistency like you really need to find a group of people and i a farm, a little market is so different than a farm stand. Like just a one farm stand is special and it's a really special thing, but it really, it multiplies the second there's more vendors there. So just try to cultivate relationships with people that will reliably show up because we have found that if, you know, if it's rainy and you don't show up, then the customers don't show up the next month. Like you just, you show up in the rain, you show up in the heat, you show up when you don't feel like you have everything just right. Like you just, you are there and you are a pillar and it's not easy to be a pillar, but you just like, you, if you step into that space, you hold it. And that's what, anytime I've seen us really find a group of people that will do that, the market flourishes. And then let's like, it just feels like there's a few of these. There's one in Shelter Cove and Whitethorn and Priceland, like little micro markets. And it's just it's like these beating hearts of these places. And because yeah. when it when it comes down to it, like community is showing up. Yeah, it turns out. And showing up, showing up with love. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> okay. And we love you. We're glad we, you <laughs> all you so showed much. up and uh, here. And I'm gonna just do one more shout out to grandmothers. And so it's the same for aunties and uncles. Like my mom arrived here. She's been gone for 10 weeks through this thing and through all of it, through this, this the shutdown time and I realized it's just been this crystal clear moment for me that my mom was a foundation of this farm. She was a, a kind of a hidden pillar and I knew it intellectually, but I experienced it viscerally like mothers, aunties, grandmothers, like, thank you <laughs> so much. Excellent. Excellent. That's very, a very good teaching and, and we appreciate your energy on that. And uh, it does take a village. I mean, we've, we, we homeschooled our son and we really felt like the, the, the success was finding mentors and community to, to broaden the spectrum, you know, so. Lovely. And, and how love just continues to vine through the whole thing, because I really, 
I know that love comes from the soil. I know that those feelings of love come from beneficial microbiology. And when we're building soil with love and we're getting love out of it, literally, figuratively, spiritually, and that is just like so beautiful. And then to put that out is all that of love as well to our communities and, and you guys are awesome. That's just all I got to say. Casey, talk about another awesome, amazing, wonderful human being who is doing such great work for community. With, and With family and on a legacy piece of property. Um, with heart and soul leading you along the way. We know about everything, you know, that you've been through and we appreciate you. Yeah, and, and you know, so many blessings to your family, the loss of your mama, and, and all those lessons that are in that. And you all just shine so bright. Your Happy Day Farms, that's exactly what you are. And I know that probably every day is not a happy day, but that's what you all put out to community. You've created that. And, and, and all of the love that you've put in for the last two generations, it shows with your business. It shows being next to you. The words that come out of your mouth are incredible. Anybody who hasn't heard some of Casey's podcasts, they give me chills. I feel teary because it's connecting me to a greater source. And I just want to thank you for being that person. Please talk to everybody about what you're doing and and the importance of food sovereignty and how you're getting down on that i'm also interested in farm cut yeah that's what's up man well first of all thank you i mean um that was that was emotional um i i, I felt all the feels and and thank you um yeah you know like you said mama passed this winter um my folks are old school back to the landers so you know i was born and raised on this land um, we've seen it change a lot over the years from kind of a, a worn out, um, logged over ranch, you know, ranch pretty hard back in the day piece to this pretty vibrant, amazing place to be. And, and, um, you know, I definitely want to second and appreciate what Taylor said, like big up the, the mamas, big up the grandmothers, big up the family, you know, it's, that's what it's all about for us. And, and, and this year has been kind of this process of, you know, kind of recalibrating our roles. Um, you know, mama was obviously, you know, the matriarch and, and so, um, learning how to, how to move forward in the journey in, in a changed reality and like seeing, you know, pops is 67 and, and his, his shoulders pretty messed up. And so, you know, up until last year, he was doing a lot of the, you know, a lot of physical labor on the farm. He was the tomato man, you know what I'm saying? And, and so this winter, you know, a mama passed B, he was like, really trying to figure out what his role was going to be without being able to do the, the you know, the physical work that he's been engaged in. And, and so it was this, you know, this time of great reckoning for our family. And, and this spring, you know, with spring setup is always hectic where it's, it's boom, boom, jam, jam, go time. Um, and, and, you know, pops really stepped into this role of, of, of doing like team lunches and, and providing the, the food and the sustenance for the family so that, you know, instead of having kind of a, a, a hectic lunchtime where everybody goes their separate ways and tries to figure out what we're going to eat and, and sometimes it's cheese and crackers, um, having this, this coming together and this, this family orientation time, essentially, where we check in and, and we, we break bread and, and like, that's, that's real to us as farmers. And, and you know, I, I think 
this conversation so far this evening has been very powerful for me in terms of reflecting on my path and purpose and and you know big up masanobu masanobu like that was some of the first you know introduction that i got to farming and and to kind of reflect and contrast that with like my current reality which is which is hectic like we're especially right now like we're we're pushing hard and and we're doing a lot of um you know we do rapid rotation annual production and we try and balance that with maximizing biodiversity and so essentially given you know a fairly limited space like we 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 fight for every inch of of space that we've got it's all steep terrace it's all um inch by inch row by row you know what i'm saying and um over the t- you know over the years seeing the the biodiversity just just bloom and explode and and the, the different medicinal plants and and the different um uh, you know flowering plants and, and all of the different crops and how they kind of interrelate and you know on on a good day it's this elegant choreography it's this this beautiful dance and on a hectic day the you know the water line broke and uh, the, the tool didn't work you know I can't find the shop whatever you know and so it's it's kind of this this process and this journey and you know I think one of the things that's been very powerful for me is that cannabis is, was was a portal back to farming back to agriculture back to the land for me like when I left home you know, my folks were school teachers. We live in the boondocks, but they they weren't farmers, you know, and, and they grew cannabis when I was a kid and they got busted in, in the early 80s. And so that was kind of part of my sort of formative reality and relationship with the plant. And so then, you know, coming out of college and 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 coming home thinking that I was going to that I was going to do ethnographic studies, that I was going to gather the stories of the community and, and sort of tell those stories and and really just getting sucked right through the portal into into farming. And um that that has been just such a, a powerful important you know it's it's the essence of of who i am um and and i think one of the things that i really wanted to just encourage is like dude any any little tiny step you know plant some seeds in a window box put a couple pots on a patio you know tear out a lawn space you know and 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 just and any any steps in the direction like was once you start stepping in that direction like there's you don't it's it's that's the direction and and you get that you know i i really appreciated that that you know the discussion around like god and and that was that was a very um powerful moment for me in, in thinking this through and like you know trying to maintain that essence and and one of the things that i've been working on is is like when i wake up in the morning i start my day with a gratitude meditation and i just i count my blessings i think about the things that 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 keep me going that light my fire that, that get me close to the flame like taylor said and the the land and seeing what has happened over you know like i said we've been food farming now for 10 years um and and you know, I, I was working on cannabis farms 05 through through 2009. I had my own system, you know, interaction with the system. Um, and, and while I was in jail, I, I really, you know, it was a short couple months or whatever, but I really started to, to marinate on this, this idea that I had been a monocrop farmer and that I had lost my monocrop and, and that a monocrop farm is, is an unsustainable organism. And so, you know, for me, this whole journey has really been like an opening into the light and, and just such a, just an experience of becoming and, and still every step of the way, like there's this new revelation of like, fuck, 
what sorry uh of like what what am i stepping into and who am i becoming and what is this journey that that i'm on you know and and so um i wanted to just talk a little bit about the you know and, and second and echo what daniel and taylor said about community and building community and and that it is it's it's about showing up and it's about being that consistency and you know right like i was at farmers market came home to, to jump on the on the zoom call and it's it's a little intense right now you know we're all grappling with like policies and procedures and trying to figure out like how do we how do we do this and especially like our little renegade market up here on the mountain is like fully thoroughly renegade you know what i'm saying and so you know we're all kind of like a whole bunch of outlaw renegade folks who are like trying to decide like well do we are we gonna follow policies and procedures how does this all work and like there's there's some you know there's some tension around it especially like you know as a as a vendor or whatever you know as a, if you're engaged in business at the market then you sort of carry a different set of responsibility than if you're attending the market and and so all of those you know those things really mesh and and um combine to really add up to a very potent important thing i think and and so um we've really been kind of reflecting on like how do we maintain this journey and and what does it look like and and feeling that it is it's it's important to show up um and you know the the other aspect i really wanted to touch on is that is that a lot of people really hurting right now and and so we're really trying to figure out ways to to get food to people because it's like the the systems don't they're not, it's not designed. It doesn't, you know, especially when you look at like local food and like wholesome quality, healthy food, like, you know, we, we sent a bunch of lettuces to the, to the food bank a couple of weeks ago. And on the one hand, like it was, a, it was a cool experience. We got to provide this produce. And on the other hand, like seeing what's in the bags that, that go out, it's just like, Whoa, dude, it's like this, it's, it's, it's calories. It's not nourishment. And, and so, you know, a big part of, of, sort of my belief and in, in, in work in this life is to, to try to um, look at my actions and interactions through a, you know, a, a social change agenda and, and food justice, local fit, local food systems is, is, is a big part of my work. And, and cannabis is, is, you know, everything's connected to everything. Like cannabis is all a part of that. And so over the last, you know, five, six years doing a lot of work in terms of trying to interrelate, you know, the legacy cannabis community with, board of supervisors and state legislature and trying to figure out how policy is developed and and you know for me really going into the belly of the beast and and coming to a point where i came to question you know through medicine journeys and such i came to really question my soul and and to wonder um where i was at in the journey and to and to be less sure of the journey and this last year you know like i said with mama passing and and really um, you know, the whole COVID thing, all of this stuff has been a big kind of reconnection and, and refocusing of my lens. And like, I, like I set out to be the, the food guy who grows some cannabis and I kind of ended up being the, the cannabis guy. And so this year to like really refocus that lens and say, you know, food system and food sovereignty is really, um, that, that's what fills my cup and, and that's what makes it run over. And, and, um, to, to sort of step back into that good energy has been, uh, I think one of the most powerful experiences of my life. And so, you know, again, I just, I really want to stress this whole idea that like, man, seeds are magic and, and the soil is, is magic. And, 
and that's like that's that to me is like the essence like there's 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 power there there's connectivity there's there's truth and to see you know I walk around the farm and just see the flowers blooming and 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 the bees all up in the mix and like everything just lurching and it's just like man it just like if it, it fills your your whole being and and you know there's there's a contrast there because you can like you know you get sucked into the time portal where you just you know ticking off the minutes and are we gonna have enough time to get to market and da 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 and like I've been really struggling with that this spring, like the feeling kind of, you know, getting stuck in the, in the, in the thought loop where I'm like, I'm like, man, am I going to get all the things done? And it's like, dude, the, the things are just the things. And like, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because as a farmer, you take on a commitment to plants, right. And, and plants are like an addiction or, or like a, you know, addiction is the wrong term for it. Cause it has negative connotations, but like it's a, it gets in the blood. And so, you know, you, you, driving home with a truckload of plants that you got from, you know, you uh, go see a friend and you come home with plants and then you're like unloading the plants and looking at the other plants. Like, I, I know I, I brought more plants. Uh, we're all going to get planted. I promise. And, and so, you know, springtime is that time where it's just like, Ooh boy, you plant a lot of plants and, and it, it feels good. And it's important, I think, to, to sort of honor the cyclical nature of the energy. And, and that's, you know, grandpa always said, like, let us be happy in our work. Like that's the, that's the foundation for us. And, and to, to maintain that good energy and that sense of fun and, and to put that into the, into the food crops to, to, you know, eat that food and then, and then put that into the medicine. And, you know, cannabis is like, man, you send this thing out as, as a farmer, you, you send this thing out into the world and it's the same with food that, that is, that is nourishment, that is, that is, spirituality you know all it's 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 like all it's the essence and and people are going to take that into their bodies and that's going to carry them through their day and 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 that's a that's a powerful responsibility I, you know i think of that as the the farmer's contract and um you as a as a person as a human as a farmer you learn over the years and and you learn how to you, you get better at it and you go through the cycles and and you know so i, I you know, for me, it's like 10 years ago, like I, I was not a farmer. I wouldn't have thought of myself as a farmer. I wouldn't have defined myself as a farmer. And so I think that's the, that's the magic of life journey is that we, we, we have opportunity to experience so many paths and so many um, choices. And, and I think that community is essentially the basket that we weave together through our shared choices. And in a, in an ideal world, we're able to, you know, each, each of us is sort of carrying our gift and, and this, this is my gift. And, and we're able to see and honor and reciprocate those gifts and, and to be able to, to recognize the, the strands of the basket that we all weave. And, and that to me is like, you know, that's, that's something to, to, to strive for. And it's, you know, it's kind of the same thing as, as regenerative. Like to me, it's this term that's like perfection. It's this thing you strive towards, not this thing that you achieve, you know, it's like a, a life's work. And, and so, um, you know, I, I figure I'm, I'm probably coming right up on 10 minutes or so, but I'm not entirely sure how am I doing. It's been wonderful. It's been wonderful. I think you're getting towards the end, but you know what's time. You know? and, I, and I want to come back, you know, if we have time and, and talk about farm cut because it's really exciting to us, especially oh. as farmers. Yeah, go. 
Do it. Say okay. it. What do you so, got to so, say? You know, so it's like I store my I store my weed in a jar. It's not trimmed. Uh, and then I pull out a nug and I brush off the big leaves and I roll myself up a joint. And so, you know, we, in, in you know, 2014, 2015, we're doing these farmer's markets. We're having the cannabis on the table with the vegetables. And it's like the medical, you know, collective model. People sign up for the collective. They can reimburse us for the cannabis. And it's just this magical, incredible thing. And then here come the regulations and all that's gone. We can't sell, we, we can't have direct consumer relationships. And we're seeing all the, all the weed get jammed, you know, run through machines and jammed into little jars and, and go out to be super expensive. And, and like, that was never the goal. That was, that was the, that was not where we were trying to get to. And, you know, so we always wanted to see like the farm cut, you know, the, the, the wine club model where the, you know, people who are, who are getting the medicine have a direct relationship with us and we're able to share that and that we share just like how we keep it. And so this idea that like, it's gotta be super closely trimmed is like, that's not how I store my product. So why would I? And, and so, so we got half ounce jars, us and, and Daniel and Taylor from Bryceland and then Daniel from Down Home Farms in Nevada County and Katie Jean and her boys from Emerald Spirit. Um, you know, we, we're starting to do this thing and figure out how to get, um, you know, minimally processed cannabis on shelves. And, and it's, it's very, very like we just got the first jars on shelves. So it's like, it's the beginning of what we hope is something awesome, but it's also, you know, it's, it's a beginning. And so it's, it's a journey and it's definitely like something that I'm, I'm like so hype about. That's awesome. I really appreciate that because I really feel like it damages the bud to really trim it really close to it. And it just leaves it vulnerable and all the trichomes come off and the smell and the dryness. So really it's, it's the goal. Of that. And there's yeah. no mystery. To we do it for the Terps. You know and there's I mean? no mystery to a Brazilian cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not <laughs> it. You know, let's leave, let's leave some mystery. Let's leave some beauty there. <laughs> <laughs> and some texture and some structure. So yeah, we appreciate that. Now I'd love to for everyone out there, even consumers, to recognize that a super tightly trimmed bud is really not not where it's at. And it and it does lose the terps really easily. And also, you know, we've even done like a side by side about like, okay, let's trim this up like Brazilian wax style. Let's do it that way. And then let's compare how much was taken off of it. Like how much weight. Like how much weight for what we would consider a farm. It's, it's so minimal. So everyone out yep. there, go for the farmer's cut. Hopefully we can like bring that out because us as farmers and weed connoisseurs, that's how we like our weed. Yeah. And I got to say, like it connects the consumer to the plant. It's a plant in its more real form. It's not a product, it's a flower that came from a plant that came from the earth that you're smoking and getting connected all the way back in, in your mind, but also in its physical form. And I love that, that raw plant nature of it going to people. And larger amounts are always nice too. <laughs> the half ounces and ounces and stuff, you know, I like that. But um, so, hey, so much and and i think now we should um hear from dave and chelsea and uh, over in gene because you guys have you know put out a tremendous amount of heart and soul as well and and your community efforts i'm really excited for you to tell us about some of the ways that 
you are getting through this time and uh, just want to appreciate the work that you all do and your crew. And, and, and these two people are farming for a tremendous amount of people. You all are putting out gorgeous, nutritious, beautiful food. You're always showing up at all of the different farmer markets in Oregon. Your booths are impeccable. They're gorgeous. You all are like really, really setting the bar. When I go to the farmer's markets in Eugene or in Portland, it's your booth that I want to go to because your food has so much color. And Chelsea, I wanted to talk to you first and talk about this market and, and, and what's going on with sort of maybe this new not normal thing and what you've come up with. I, I know that you're mainstreaming something very important for all of us and it's just such a good education. So you go girl. Okay. I'm happy to share my experience and I want to thank you all for inviting me and being here and I'm really enjoying and totally inspired by what everybody out there is doing um and i'm just like it's just so fun to do and that's a lot of i think what what is going on right now while we're all kind of trying to figure out how to maneuver is we're just like doing and we're becoming more innovative and i love the farmer's cut so down with that <laughs> such a good idea um so basically when the you know, everything was taking place. This was like in March or whatever. Um, we became a little worried about our markets because like that's basically our in, in our farmers and uh, most of our produce is market sale and and everything goes to market. And that's how we make a lot of our money and just how we like feed our families and and um, and keep this whole thing rolling. And with all of the you know cleanliness factors and safety factors and everything it has made markets kind of not nearly as pleasurable as they used to be the connection in the community hasn't i mean it's there it's trying but it is like you know we're all trying to be considerate of each other but it's also like really difficult because there's no there's no time because there's no touch like there's no we all have to be so considerate of each other's spaces so it's like the line is six feet each person and it's way longer and we can't have events so there you know anytime there's a cluster the market manager is like ah we gotta stop um so we've been going about it routes in a couple different ways and the the um the i have this whole thing i wrote i think i'm just gonna talk um and the 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 few things uh i really like to problem solve when it comes to communication and so the um couple things that we've done is we started a CSA last year and with that which is not a lot of farms generally start CSAs when they're small and the community helps invest in the farm to grow for the future where I think for us and for for Dave and um, that uh, cannabis was a very big part of the farm and that really helped that that helped just ignite all of the growing passions and it really sort of fueled our market in general and and what and just growing vegetables it to me it feels a lot like the cannabis has this sort of kind of spirit in mind but the veggies are just so body and heart like they're just so love and they're just so share and everybody's invited 
And I number- love that, not to interrupt you, but I love that. I love that, that was great, keep going. Thanks, and, um, and so, um, we have a pretty big market of people, or we have we have a pretty big customer base. We do about three to four markets a week, and we do them up in Portland. And um, you know, our our model is kind of stack the veggies high and watch them fly. And we just kind of make food art, and um, and people love it. And uh, we just try to create abundance and 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 share abundance with everybody. And I and and honestly, last year starting at CSA, we didn't get much you know, being in much interest, but in the state of where we are now and in the, uh, where, I mean, there's, I think there's two ways to look at it is like, there's the unknowing part of what's going on and the fear that that can create or the opportunity that we can, we can uh, use it for. And, and, and that's the way, that's the route I think we're taking is like, and I think that's where the strength is too, is, is to is to just um, look at like basically the new arrangement and the new pathways of distribution, and so um, so you know also playing with the convenience for people and also the consideration of you know certain people needing having needs and other people you know being okay with everything. Um, there were a few different things we tried this year, and this was a lot just coming actually from people. I think from the CSA. Um, interest, but people coming, hey, how can I get a CSA? Hey, do you guys deliver? Hey, how can I get your produce in a different way? Um, Because now I'm staying at home. And so I worked with a few people on this and we created, um, we created a community wholesale project, which uh, was kind of an idea that um, basically meeting our needs for um, a minimum amount, uh, a minimum amount of um, money for dis- distribution or just like deliveries. So I said a $50 minimum. If you can, if you want to buy that much from us, we'll deliver to you. But the guidelines were more t- for buying in bulk. So usually we sell bulk to restaurants, but um, you know, and markets and stuff like that. But I wanted to offer it to the community. And I was encouraging um, people to share within their neighborhoods, like, hey, let's buy a case of kale and let's all share some kale. Um, that, you know, we got, I, I worked with a couple, people and that we did we did we did about a month's worth of good work but that didn't really hit it off um the next thing was is just creating an online market store for pre-ordering and basically um you know throughout the week i take pictures of the produce that we're going to have coming to market and people can pre-order online and so we're basically pre-selling our market um when this allows people to uh not they don't have to wait in line. They um, they don't have to deal with money, and they uh, they can get first picks on the produce. Um, it's it's kind of a slippery slope, but a few of the markets have really really latched onto it and enjoyed it. It's sort of like online a la carte market, and it doesn't take too much time. There's a bit of corresponding. The I definitely have some reservations rep. Eh reservations with using the internet so much but it's a good tool and right now it's been really helpful but we're basically like pre-selling a market before we go to market which really helps ensure that we're meeting our needs and not having to deal with like I mean one of our markets they only let like 50 people in at a time so um 
that's just kind of really helping us go through. Another thing that was really cool here that happened was the food bank was granted money to purchase from local farms. And so that was awesome. And, um, and we took it even a step further and donated our produce, but we, instead of holding off and trying to find different avenues, we, um, we basically said, hey, we'll just direct all of this aftermarket produce to you as fresh as you can get it for like $1.50 a pound or something like that. So they got all like our fresh lettuce and greens that still look good on Monday, but normally we would hang on to them looking for another market before we'd drive it home. Um, and then finally just, uh, yeah, this, our CSA kind of, you know, everybody's CSA kind of blew up this year, but the, but more than anything, I think that within this whole bubble of everything happening, it was so inspiring and to feel the support from the community and to just feel that like, you know, as much as we're trying to put ourselves out there and work as hard as possible and just like, you know, make this thing work that, that there are so many people out there that appreciate us and that that want to be a part of it in any way and i know they're doing their other things too that are helping in some other way and i just i just it, it felt like it felt like for the first time um really like it wasn't just some dream but it was like uh something that was a necessity and really really appreciated and um yeah, uh, uh, it was cool to come to the task, you know, to come to, to come to the, the thing. And, and I, and I think with a lot of it is, um, I think that, oh man, there's so many things I want to touch on listening to everybody else, but I think that the, the topic of resilience is something I would love to talk more about because that's how we build our communities and our strength. And um, yeah, that heart and soul is what, does it yeah and resilience of, of the plants and resilience of our community and resilience of us you know again working in soil that's really beautiful to help us come up with these decisions so that we could feed more people you know what is it where does that drive come from does it come from good soil and good veggies you know i think it's and how do you keep them really continuously beautiful. coming you know yeah. how do you keep the veggies continuously coming and yeah i think you know, we wanted to move on to you, Dave, too, because right now a lot of farmers are are having to look at their budget. They're having to look at, wow, I have to have the most beautiful veggies in the market. Um, and they and they're also really awakening to maybe that they don't want to continue on with sort of the conventional, you know plowing and fields just where all of the soil is being taken away and there's a lot of things that you've been doing on your farm for a very long time i know you know as long as i've known you which i don't even know have you been farming for over 20 years now for sure because yeah sky's already 23. <laughs> so um i wanted you to touch on on what farmers can be doing so many people want to want to turn over and, and and you've really got it dialed and, and whatever else you want to touch on. Well, um, first of all, thanks for putting this together. It's awesome. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be a part with uh, th this group of so many brilliant, inspiring minds. And I think that uh, every single person speaking um, touches on all these things that resonate with me and I echo. And, and I, 
I kind of feel like I could just get lost in the weeds and we can go on a million tangents all night. But I think to sort of stick to the script of what, what I prepared here, I think first and foremost, anyone that is market gardening right now, um, one thing that with what Chelsea's had just spearheaded and taken on that I think she, she covered it, but I would like to really drive it home. One of the issues in, in Oregon, which isn't even like an epicenter spot for, for this, the new times we're living in, the, the, the market managers have this balance between trying to, we're still considered an essential business. So we can keep rolling like an outdoor market, but there's a slippery slope where it becomes an event. So that you, once, once the, it gets too compressed and there's too much, like the social distancing can't happen, that's where we're afraid we're gonna get shut down. So I, what Chelsea's been doing is streamlining the online sales ordering, we literally sneak a fourth market into our three markets over the weekend, which not only does it, she reaches out to people that either don't feel safe or are more vulnerable or otherwise wouldn't come to the markets, but on top of that, the, the, the amount of footprint we have in our space to, to keep our customers safe, keep isolated with the plexiglass and tables and all the steps we're having to take. And um, we really just don't have any, the, the, the space to, to, to display all of our product, let alone the, the, with the extra steps we're taking to gather your produce for you and then have, have someone else uh, uh, deal with the cash. We, once, once our line starts getting kind of bottlenecked, and we start clogging into other farmers space or the common area that becomes kind of like a slippery slope. So I think her streamlining all that has really been helpful for us to do the volume we need to do to, to keep our nose above water and get produce out to the people. So I just wanted to touch on that because anybody that's, that's probably dealing with the same growing pains in these, in these wacko times, that's, that's really been helpful. And Chelsea's been killing it in that regard. So I also, um, you know, we've been doing this a long time and we probably can tell you a million things not to do. And we have a few things figured out. And I think that just like uh, Daniel had said, and I'm sure most other people on this panel, probably everybody, um, if you want to learn more about specifically what we do or, or uh, pick our brains and, and scratch your head, like, I mean, social media is an amazing outfit, outlet for us all to stay connected. So feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm as busy as the rest of us, but I'm available too. So I'll uh, cut over uh, our long-winded spiel of everything that we do and to just get down to, I think that one thing I realized on, on the topic of uh, food security and sovereignty, which is you know the, the, the platform for what we're gathered here for tonight, I think that um, I'm just going to dive right into nuts and bolts, what's been helpful for us. Um, and now I'm going to read from my script that uh, Bear with me, I was scribbling this out while I was listening to everybody else. So if I, if I get lost in my scribble and my record starts skipping, I preemptively apologize. But anyway, um, basically, if you're a serious gardener, uh, have a subsistence garden, maybe you're just getting interested for the first time in farming on a production scale for your community, or if you live in an urban area and have access to a plot of land, um, most farmers will, and gardeners will find out that there's a, a few, at least a few year learning curve and along with a lifelong learning curve of uh, you're planting sequences and rotations so you can have year round security. So we, uh, 
you know, after a few decades of trial and error, hopefully some of the info uh, that I'm going to provide here will help your growing efforts in some way. First of all, if you're in the States, I would suggest reaching out to your extension office to get a planting calendar. Or uh, if you're in other countries as well in the States or parts of the world, I would also suggest uh, finding a garden, gardening book that's suitable for your area. Once you have that type of template as your guide, um, I encourage you to experiment and start to rewrite the book as you learn crops that you like growing that are appropriate for your area. You will find that many crops can be planted a lot earlier in the late winter, early spring, as well as continue to produce much later in the fall and early winter than you will find in most books. Um, also, Many crops and vegetable starts can be uh, started in much smaller size pots and trays, as well as be transplanted into much tighter spacing than is generally recommended in most books as well. So if you have not much space to work with, that, you know, just keep cramming in until you figure that that's too tight. And then uh, you don't have to really go by the guidelines that have already been laid out. And um, also we have, uh, we're huge fans of direct seeding as much as, as your climate allows and as much as possible. Um, these techniques will reduce your need for uh, outside inputs like trays and pots and potting soil, as well as reduce your labor and time when it comes to things like direct seeding crops. On that note, with direct seeding crops, you have to be way more on your game when it comes to weeding uh, just to not have them get choked out in the weeds before they even are up and running. So I'm gonna go next. Um, a few more pointers for perishable for, for perishable crops that, for the most part, are just harvested once, such as head lettuce and cauliflower. A good general rule of thumb is for your growing season, plant as much every week as you as you can eat or market in a week. For example, like if my family wants to eat lettuce almost every night in a salad, then a six pack of lettuce starts, plant that every week. Cause you'll have, for the most part, a head coming on every week or, or cauliflower is another example. Obviously there's, there's, a, there's exceptions to this when you get a heat spell or a cold spell, you, you, there's a little bit of a all coming in at once or gas, but overall that's a general good rule of thumb. Um, and for what we like to cut, call uh, cut and come again crops like uh, summer squash when it comes to perishable crops and continuing uh, summer squash basil leafy greens like chard kale collards and such in our climate uh, we we plant those crops every four to six weeks with the first plantings beginning as early as possible here in Oregon um, those those early plantings begin in a hoop house obviously and then uh, most of these crops the, will be productive for a few months. So when one, when one rotation is winding down, the next rotation is getting rolling. So you can kind of close the deal on them and have a co continuing constant steady weight. And then I, another thing is, um, I think one trend we've seen with markets is uh, people are really just trying to be the first fill in the blank to market or then a lot of, a lot of smaller farms, um, plastic mulch is like the new trend. I can farm two acres with one person and cover everything in plastic. 
And as much as plastic has uh, endless benefits, it's a slippery slope once you start going down that road. And I think that um, find what crops grow well in your area on their own and focus on those crops. And, you know, another one, carrots and beets, storage crops. We plant carrots every two weeks here. So the first, when they're coming on, the first round is selectively logged. And then the second week is clear-cutted while the next round you're selectively logging to keep that steady stream flowing as well. And then I think another thing I like to point on is um, if you're a backyard gardener and trying to really extend your season and, and try to have you know longer food security, um, think the techniques that are really uh, helpful, like like floating row cover, reme, that that can really almost double your growing season. And I think if you were a, a backyard gardener and you went to your local farmers market you'd be hard pressed to find a farmer that's not gonna have a pile of this stuff that maybe has disintegrated to the point where they can't use it. But for your little backyard garden plot, you know, you can cut their scraps into whatever size you want to use. It also, if you compress it, it makes really good insulation for your funky cabins or your hemp dry shed or whatever else you wanna use it for to keep it indefinite. And if you are a market gardener and using remade to extend your season, um, like sandbags, night and day difference between using something like that and, and burying, you know, a lot of people just on the fly hand put a shovel on every, over every, uh, every five or 10 feet. But sandbags make it really easy to take off, to cultivate, to harvest and put it back on. And then once your crop is done, pull your remake out, dry it out, roll it up, mark the size that it is and the shape that it's in and put it away, not leaving in your field to just funk out for the next year. And you'll get endless years out of it as opposed to one year and in the land. So, oh, and another one last thing, when, when it comes to uh, Daniel was saying, you know, just being on your game and do things tight, there's no rush. Like if you're really interested that you get the garden bug and you wanna start, you know, learning more about it, reach out to another farm Come, come in early, you know, January, February, or even the fall season before and be like, and so they know you're serious. And then um, learn on their dime. Cause that's, most farms aren't gonna even really give you a paid wage unless you kind of have some names to drop or some real time put in to begin with. And then that being said, once you start on your own, there's no rush. Like just the longer you can stay small and not have employees, the better. And that being said, you're just gonna find more and more ways to get innovative and efficient. And one thing we like to say here is, we call it the Ohio method. Only handle it once. If you're moving shit from A to B to C to D back to A, you're losing money farm. So that, that's it for my spiel. Thank you so much, Dave and Chelsea. You guys are really awesome and so much experience and so much good pointers there blessings on that one super helpful and i know dash you have to get going for your family and we and we are going a little bit late but we're just going to flow with it because we're just really enjoying these stories but would you like to tell people where to find you once more dash before you and, get out? and i put out a little tantalizing thought on kava kava so actually we're going to have to have you on we'll do it another again. time we have to talk about kava kava and turmeric and have um uh, you all come on and talk about coconuts and, and the history of that and just the knowledge is overflowing so we'd really love to have your back how do people find you 
yeah, people can uh, check us out at hipagriculture.org is a nonprofit uh, website. And then the new farm is uh, starseedranch.com. And we do have accommodations for visits as well. So maybe we'll see some of you out here on Big Island. I did want to share about food hubs a bit more because uh, I, I didn't get a chance to share about it. And in response to COVID in our community, because our hobby market, they totally shut it down, which was, uh, you know, pretty disturbing because other supermarkets are open, Costco's open, and uh, but the group had concerns about liability. So suddenly, you know, this market that our farm is doing really good sales at weekly, it's, it's our main income to the farm, to the market garden, um, was totally stopped. So fortunately, we had launched a food hub earlier this year for Farm to School, which is a shared community infrastructure spot to address uh, food safety. It was a mastermind basically as a place where multiple farmers could wash, pack, refrigerate, and freeze produce that was then distributed to Farm to School and break down the barrier of market access because Hawaii Island has opened up more Farm to School buying, institutional buying, our nonprofit was part of the pilot, but they're trying to source like a lot more crops. And so basically this food hub was in place. All of a sudden COVID hit. We directed all the sales through an online market. And it's uh, been really amazing because of course CSA boxes ticked up. But what was beautiful about it is that a whole bunch of new farmers started selling through the space on the online market. We got a bunch of new customers that had never bought before through the online market. So it did like create a little boost or stimulus to uh, Kohala grown food. And I think, you know, we're, we're hoping the market reopens, but we're also, uh, we wrote a federal grant for farm to school and we're planning to continue with a food hub as again, just like a clearing house where people can grow food for the school system, but not deal with all the, the barriers and red tape of food safety and all the gap certified protocols. So um, that's happening. And besides that, yeah, we'll have to talk story more next time about La'al, Lapa'al and um, just all the incredible plant medicine that's here in Hawaii um, and some of the different crops that we're into. I would love to, but thank you so much to everyone on the call. I was like super inspired by all the brothers and sisters that are like, you know, we're basically ushering in the new paradigm. It's like, we're on the front lines of, working to create new models of, you know, permaculture and sustainability and healthy community and healthy living. Um, so just like mahalo to everyone on the call, huge big ups and respect. I hope to stay in touch uh, with you all and, you know, drop us the line. Awesome. Awesome. And thank we, are, so yeah, so thank you so much. Um, the last two wonderful people are Josh um, from Moongazer and Jacob from Flower Days. We, we, no. I was thinking of how we're going to weave in Josh, you know, like Dave was really talking about, you know, your things that, you know, sort of help the farmer out. But the really big question in the industry that we get all the time that I really feel like you and Sandra are just like masters at right now is how to take a small farm and really embody the term regenerative. And some helpful pointers that you all can do for people because so many people are like yeah i'm ready to dig up my lawn i'm ready to let go of the miracle grow i want to be able to do it in a way that i can have crops next year you all have been a fast garden you produce so much in just a short period of time anybody who hasn't followed you guys on instagram really needs to your farm your family is an inspiration please talk about what you all have done Hey, uh, 
bless up y'all that was beautiful thank you so much um i mean i gotta give a big ups to you guys i'll never forget at the living soil symposium i don't know i think it was 2016 or something and you guys said we were everyone was just kind of jumping into legalization at that time and i'll never forget you said you know start small build your soil and and you know build slowly that you know this there's it's not a it's not a race and i just feel that cannabis has given us the ability to actually farm a crop regeneratively uh you know on a on a large scale quote unquote uh you know we're a 10,000 square foot farm which is like which is large scale for uh mendo but uh it's still a very small scale farm and um, we were able to do it no till we're able to do it all in, in hugel culture beds and we are able to grow food alongside it uh, we don't grow nearly as much food as a lot of the other super amazing inspiring folks on this panel and i commend you all for all the amazing work you do and uh we're you know we're uh increasing our water storage uh we've been on this land here for about three years uh, and we've, you know, we've done a lot of other things alongside, uh, you know, building our, our commercial cannabis crop, I guess, I guess commercial. Uh, we built a house and, uh, you know, a pond and set up goat runs and chicken runs and, and uh, everything in between. That trailer over there was the first spot we lived on. There was nothing on this land here when we moved here. And right in front of me here is our cabin, which we finally finished. Um, and really, and, and so Sandra and I met 10, 10 years ago. I had no idea that Moongazer Farms was really gonna be a thing. Like my own thing was at that time, how can I, I lived in the big city or Babylon, Los Angeles, and I met Sandra on a farm. And I just was like, at that point I knew I you know, wanna keep farming. I gotta get, I'd, you know, do some woofing, just get out and, and, and I mean, I gotta say just real quick, making a plug for just just farming in general, being outside, being out in the sun with your hands in the soil. I mean, I mean, we couldn't have been in a really a better place for this COVID stuff. I mean, it's been like just such an absolute blessing to be able to be in the sun. I mean, cause the sun does such amazing work with, uh, with killing pathogens or viruses and stuff like that too. If you ever do come down with a, illness or something. I know that the conventional thing is to like be in bed all day, but it's really nice to get out and get some sun, let that sun really hit you. And speaking of which, it's been super hot out here. We've been out just sort of keeping our gardens watered, um, uh, getting plants in the ground, uh, working on diversifying as much as we can. We do sell our produce through certain food hubs, as Dash had mentioned, the Mendo Lake food hub out here. Uh, is doing incredible work and we love to support them uh, and it's been a really great way for us we have two one-year-old twins so it's uh it you know a farm stand and farmers markets would be cool to do along the way but the mendo food hub has been cool we just we people take orders on sunday we take it we take it to town on monday and then on tuesday it gets delivered out to a lot of folks and we've actually been on the receiving end of some of those orders too and we get such delicious local food for like oranges and walnuts, things that we don't grow here on large scale on our land. Um, and that's been like a huge blessing and, and just a big, uh, 
yeah, wake up call in general. A lot of this has been just a big wake up call. How are we going to be able to, you know, manage in these times? And, and for us, you know, growing cannabis on a commercial scale, the food aspect has always been, how can I incorporate food into my cannabis garden? Uh, we, ne- we didn't have the 10,000 square feet right away. So we've been slowly building our cannabis garden. And, and uh, I haven't quite gotten to it yet, but certain plants that work real well, like potatoes and, um, you know, other, other I, I think brassicas work really well. And I know there's a lot of dialogue that's gone back and forth between the, uh, you know, it, not so great aspects of the brassica being close to cannabis, but we have some kohlrabis growing alongside right now and kale and, and broccolis and, um, and really the time for the kale is, for us is not really now. That's like a big subsistence for us in the winter time. Um, we, get, we get a little bit of frost here, but it's quite mild. So we can get by with like as little plastic as possible, which has been really cool. And of course the kale is great now. And then in the summer, the cannabis actually kind of shades it a little bit. So the cannabis is, is, is integrated into the veggie system and also vice versa. Uh, a lot of our cabbages and stuff like that are grown in between our females, which are our females are like about, you know, uh, three or four feet apart. And we'll have like a couple cabbages in between. And for how hot it gets here in the summer, that's a really great shade for certain things like cabbages and broccolis and stuff like that to make it through the summer. And, um, and I just really can't stop. Uh, I can't help but reiterate just the importance of building soil and that's a really big way that we've been able to engage with the community is through Instagram and, and just education. And because my whole thing is if, if 7 billion people created one Google culture bed, uh, you know, even if it's just for pollinators, because I know that, I mean, you know, harvesting food and, and, you know, keeping, keeping it all good and all that stuff, it's not easy to grow food, you know. Uh, but if you want to grow like some perennial, uh, plants or whatever it's really a cool way to just sequester some carbon and do your part uh i've been lately recently saying turn off the news and build a hoogle uh because it's it's really uh one of the most defiant things that we can do right now i feel and uh yeah uh thank you guys so much for the time and and uh, oh and save seeds too i just wanted to really hit on that i think that that uh you know that's one if you watch the vandana shiva shiva videos and stuff like that i mean that's like growing foods cool but maybe once you get that down or something you know get into saving some seeds because that's like really cool you can start sharing them with folks that's a beautiful thing about the dem community um is just being able to like share seeds with each other and resilient really nice strong seeds too that have been grown in real beautiful soil because that's pretty key to having good seeds and um yeah just keeping it diverse is uh is is where it's at and um and the seeds is just crucial i think if we're gonna stand a chance against the monsantos and all those cats out there trying to do what they do and and cannabis seeds too because it's wind pollinated kind of like how corn is so like just just keep crossing stuff keep some males around if you can and if you can't uh reach out to people who've got lots of seeds it's amazing what you can do when you have a lot of seeds too getting a 10 pack of seeds is cool 
getting like a 50 pack of seeds from Johnny's or whatever is awesome. But uh, if you have your own, one pumpkin will get you like hundreds of seeds and you can do so much with it. Big up the seeds. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, so often the food, the very food that we eat has the seed in it, you know, that, yeah, that, that propagates that. And I think that's, should be one of the focuses of the garden is to, to save seeds. And a, and a lot of people, you know, I know Michigan was saying that, you know, sales of seeds was a non-essential service. And they were telling people to, you know, stores to take the seeds down so they couldn't be sold. But, you know, I think what people don't realize and just to, to think outside of the box a little bit is if you want to plant a beautiful, delicious red pepper, you can go to the store and buy an organic, delicious red pepper and you can plant those seeds. So buying viable seed and yeah, thank you, Josh. Awesome. You're the best. Such a, such a, a beautiful heart and soul with your land and the way that you all have transformed it and the love that you all have put into it. It's just so above and beyond and, and the care, you know, and, and, and how cannabis guides us all. And that's how I wanted to move over to you, Jacob, like this, you know, like cannabis is is this incredible thing that brings us together. It's it's a it's a we talk about medicine sovereignty, and um, Terry really touched on a lot of herbal, you know, medicine sovereignty. And you and Carla are building this gorgeous farm up there with your beautiful family, and far just, away in the mountains of California, and just transforming, you know, love and and transform incredible medicine. And, and I wanted you to touch on, on how, you know, we're talking about medicine sovereignty specific to cannabis and maybe what that world would look like to you and what you all are doing for that. And I just want to say, I just really love your children and they really embody the love that you give them. And it's really fun to be around them. I really yeah. um, look forward to their presence in our world. Yeah. Yeah, they're wonderful. Um, yeah, so as far as medicine sovereignty on our farm, it, um, creating that and participating in that was just a huge priority in making um, the life change that kind of led us to where we are today. Um, I feel like food sovereignty and medicine, medicine sovereignty um, for people, whether you're growing your own or you're participating in farmers markets or bartering with neighbors it's um the singular most impactful protest that we can make if we, um for anything that we're unhappy about with the system because whether you're caring about workers rights or farm workers rights or people's health um which goes along you know to our current crisis situation right now um participating in that is the is the number one way we can we can make a change um the corporate industrial food system is basically you know designed to keep the value of food low so so that the labor is not a um a component uh, of the price and so that keeps um, farm workers wages low it keeps um, nutritional food costs high 
where you actually have to, um, you know, it's hard to fit the cost of the labor into the cost of the food, um, especially when you're growing more nutritionally dense food. And so when we're, when we're doing that, we're actually making, we're perpetuating the system that, you know, everybody's mad about and, and we have, you know, doesn't matter, like there's police murder, murdering, you know, people and there's this and that and everything. And so what are we going to do about it? How can we peacefully um, take a stand towards what we feel is right? And, and participating in nurturing your land, nurturing your health, nurturing the health of your community is what's really going to make that happen. And so for us on our farm, we've been, we've been exploring that since the beginning and just delving into what does it mean to have food, so food and medicine sovereignty, you know, like, so obviously we want we started growing cannabis as, as our main source of income to run the farm. Um, but the goal of that was to find like, well, okay, so now we're organic farming, but there's a lot of things about organic farming that are really connected to the industrial food system. And a lot of amendments are actually byproducts of the industrial food system that we don't want to support and we don't want to participate in. And so from there, incorporating more animal systems into the farm and, and as we, you know, like kind of built this uh, system around based around our values, we've really found a huge amount of abundance um, that's enriched our lives immensely. And I mean, I just can't, I can't say how amazing it is like to be able to share that food with your children and they enjoy it so much, you know, because it's like you get to spoil them every day. And I don't feel like everybody gets to spoil their kids quite like that with like strawberries and berries and apples, whatever fruits, and then lots of milk and things like that. So when you have that kind of stuff to share, like you don't feel like you necessarily have to stress out about the financial situation that is also impacting the world right now too. Um, you're, you're more resilient, which is a topic that keeps coming up. Um, but you're also, um, you're more, more useful to your community and you have more to share. And so I think as we see more and more of that happen and people are obviously getting more and more interested in growing food and medicine for themselves, um, we're going to see a big, a big paradigm shift that we're already starting to see with this group of people. And it's, and it's really exciting what, what the future holds for us. So well, do you guys have anything else you want me to elaborate no, I on? That. No, I mean, no, it's just, it's a, it's a good perspective. And it's almost like I had this weird thing, like, when you were talking that you know living in the city is almost like a hydroponic life where you're relying a hundred percent on something coming into you every day to feed your existence but the farther you get out in the country and the farther you get onto the land the more 
kind of um you have a little room there you have more ability to more soil yeah exist and the soil yeah and the i city, and i just the city has no microbes either the city's microbialist back to the war on the microbes starts right there in the city just wanted to add that real quick well it has no, a whole true. it has a lot of microbes but maybe not the beneficial ones <laughs> Which is really, you know, important. So the more that we can fill our bodies with beneficial ones. And also I wanted to say, Jacob and Carla, you all just grow such beautiful flower, like three-time winner of the Emerald Cup last year. And it's not just because it's like the ooh-la-la, -la, which it is. It's not just that. It's, it's because you you taste that love you feel that love you know i know that the medicine that you all put out is so intentional and everything that you all touch and grow you know is going to be affecting somebody in some way and i feel like that right there is where the ideas of sovereignty start from so it's an incredible responsibility to all of the growers out there to 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 be like Carla and Jacob and and be like everybody here, here on here that puts love into their flowers so that when that really potent life changing medicine is ingested it's ingested in a way that truly is going to create sovereignty which is from the inside out and so we've I just, found i think to to what we we've, we've really like heard tonight is that growing ganja and food together on a farm is a magical thing and it's a beautiful place to be. We really need to support the short food supply chains and support local food. Um, we really need to connect producers and consumers more. We need to look into farm gate sales for cannabis and, and get ways, you know, find ways to con connect the farmer to the to the consumer and uh, get more of that you know to disrupt that and decentralize that global food supply and get us more in connection with uh you know a nutrient dense food does anyone have anyone uh, questions for anyone else or anything they'd like to say marcus and i know marcus, that you put together a, a greenhouse recently and maybe you'd have something to say about you know why have you chosen to grow food right now what I would say about that is actually what I've been thinking about for the last hour, listening to everyone talk. And it's sort of like, it got me thinking about how I always would say to people, you know, they don't like cannabis. That's not how they want you to think. They've got a particular set of drugs like alcohol that they want you to consume. They want you to smoke radioactive tobacco and be very productive and drink lots of Tim Hortons and, and uh, coffee every morning and uh, you know consume lots of sugar like 20 30 pounds a day feed it to your kids too. give them lots of sugar and so you start using cannabis and you realize you're sort of on the other side of this warped out version of reality that's being propagated by this lower vibration frequency that you don't even know where it's really coming from but you represent it as fear and it freaks you out and it tingles you out and it totally sets you off and you just sort of try to ignore it but i didn't realize when i said that cannabis makes you think differently that this how what we're all talking about right now this is what this is how it makes you think oh i should be growing food too cannabis like you start growing it you're kind of you've scrubbed out a lot of that terroir of that um you know the the uh, appellation if you will because you're in a basement you're in pots and you know you might even be doing it hydroponically but eventually you're like these salts are no bueno 
and you get led into this sort of organic and people are like, oh, organic, great, but you kind of got to go beyond that. You know, you got to be regenerative and sustainable and you got to close the loop and you got to. So cannabis seemingly seems to have this integral part in the way a lot of people on this panel are thinking, in the way that I've been thinking over the last 30 plus years of my life since being introduced to it and really saying no to all those other like no alcohol, no coffee. I've cut 90% of sugar out of my diet. I've had a raw food cafe where I served only raw, vegan, organic, macrobiotic food back in 2003. I was like, yeah, it's called high integrity, low profit business. Uh, you know, like that's a very hard restaurant to open and to people are like, where's the Coca-Cola's and the donuts? And I'm like, oh, we don't really do that here, but we have like a seven layer raw lasagna and we can make you a Coca Loco smoothie if you like. So I would just like to thank cannabis. Thank all of you. Cannabis really has intertwined all of these thoughts. It leads you to this natural feeling of, well, if I'm going to grow my medicine, my cannabis, why wouldn't I grow my food? I mean, what's more medicine than food? And the funny thing is what I see from all of you is once you get hypnotized by this, you want to grow all this food. And then, and then you get to a point where you're like, we should give this to people like really like just give it to them, give it out and donate it and grow for more families. And it's totally an incredible vibration that I think you guys, I love the fact that a lot of you are seeing this as a responsibility as stewards of the land to not be quiet, to not sit in the corner, to stand up and shout this shit from the soapboxes. So I just love you all. I appreciate all of you. And I thank you for coming on my channel and sharing all the good vibes and, Josh and Kelly, thanks for bringing these incredible people together for a pretty awesome night. Thank you so much, Marcus. You always have a beautiful flow and just a, you know, just a beautiful outlook on life and you really put your best foot forward and we appreciate you. I love hearing about everything that you're doing. I'm stoked to hear about you making hash and stuff recently. That's really exciting and hallelujah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you've just been such an incredible conduit in this industry from people to people, you know, talk about responsibility. I love that word. It's response able. And you've always been response able within this cannabis community. You know, there's been ebbs and flows and all of these different things and ideas and whatever, but you've always held this beautiful true north to cannabis. And I just truly appreciate that and have so much gratitude. So thank you for uh, sharing your channel with us and thank you for just being who you are and you know, the good, the good soul and caretaker of cannabis, the good let, voice let, for her. Let's hear a closing remark from everyone and um, put one in the air if you have one. And um, I just really appreciate you all tonight. It was a nice long conversation. It was so heartfelt and loving and really that's the inspiration that, that moves us forward. And I just, I have never ending love for you all. I, I, I'd do anything. Yeah. I'd do anything. Yeah. You guys are so the best. So may, uh, maybe Jacob, uh, would you like to, say goodbye and tell us uh, final remarks and start that and how people can find you and where to find your flower um i i don't know where you can find it right now. it's not they don't tell me <laughs> um <laughs> sorry <Good answer>. um, <laughs> but you, you can um you can find us on our website flowerdaysfarm.com or on our Instagram account, flower day, at Flower Days Farm. Um, and I just 
want everybody out there watching right now to, um, you know, to, to be thinking about, about other people and in a compassionate way and to, to not get too wrapped up into the fear mindset that we're, um, is being pushed on us. Um, even though we are concerned about the health of our friends and neighbors, the best way to move forward is, is a, in a compassionate way. And um, I really think that now is the best time for us all to start, start thinking in those, along those lines. Thank you so, so much. That's it. I appreciate that. Josh, we're gazing at stars. It's beautiful. <laughs> Where can we find you? Do you have any closing remarks? You might have Moon, Moon Gazer Farms, Josh and Sandra and beautiful family. <laughs> the feed um, says it all. That is a moon gazer right there. Exactly. Or is it the moon? I guess it is it the moon. Is the moon. Yeah, that, we're gazing at the moon. Give thanks. Say no more. <laughs> and Dave and Chelsea, just wonder if you all had a couple more things to say or where people can find you. You guys, you just grow such beautiful flower and, and fruits and veggies. How do people find you all? Um, our farmers markets, we're at, if you're in Oregon, we're at the Hollywood market on Saturdays and the Eugene market on Saturdays and the Milwaukee farmers market on Sundays outside of Portland. And we have a, a brick and mortar store in Eugene called the, the corner market. You can find that on Facebook at the OG corner market. And, um, you can, if you want to know, know more about our farm, uh, sweet leaf, Organicfarm.com is our farm website. And our rec uh, ganja farm is at on Instagram at the OG plant. So that's uh, how you can kind of stay connected with us and follow our story. And I think the only things I'm thinking of that popped into my head um, that, that, uh, 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 that on this discussion tonight of uh, intertwining food security and sovereignty and medicine and cannabis growing, um, one thing I really liked at that uh, the Hawaii uh, gig we did, uh, the spaceman Spliff, he was like, uh, cannabis is the gateway drug. It, 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 it leads you to farming and gardening. Mm -hmm. So I feel like for some reason that's been really resonating with me tonight in these conversations. So I figured I'd give a shout out for him for uh, planting that seed. And then um, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, I think that one thing about gardening and farming and being part of your own food supply not only are you getting this nutritionally dense food and and um just being feeling healthier and and uh and just more vibrant but just the act of crawling around on your hands and knees in the garden and weeding and planting and and uh you know finding out how much you can actually get done with your with your team every day or your partner that keeps you young and that's that's uh that's where the gold in all this is. So, you know, as, as us farmers like to say, you know, we've chosen a life where we're really happy to work an 80 hour week to avoid having to work a 40 hour week. <laughs> I love a that's good closing so, remark. So true. And when you're crawling around on the ground, it reminds me of Feldenkrais and just that teaching of just, you know, not needing to stretch, but just rolling around on the ground and earthing. Yeah. So, um, Daniel. Daniel, 
over at Priceless. Yeah, you you love to anything else and how people find you. Hey, I'm somewhere here in the dark in the back. <laughs> um, yeah, big love to all of you guys out there. Um, so enjoyable, and it's so uh, so uh, swells my heart to to know all of you are out there planting these seeds and and making that change. Um, let's see. Find us. Uh, we're on Instagram, Bryceland Forest Farm. We're on our website, BrycelandForestFarm.com. Facebook, all that stuff. You can find our flower all throughout California under uh, the Brother David's label and in Farm Cut. If your dispensary doesn't have it in California, ask for it. <laughs> we'll get it to you. Um, uh, and yeah, you can find us on our homestead pretty much every single day doing it up in, unless we're in, in uh, Garberville at Market or, or in Bryceland at Market. And if you're close to us, ask us about a CSA. Come visit us at Market. We'd love to talk. Love to talk about farming, share food. Okay. Big love, you guys. Thanks so much, Daniel, and to Taylor, too, the kids and family. And glad mom came home to take care of the kids so you could be on here. And, and I really know that, you know, all of your uh, words and everything that you all put out is just so golden and so appreciated. And talk about responsibility. You all have really stepped up to be responsible. And I'm so thankful to you all. Terry. Any thoughts on all of this and, and tell us how people find you and you're doing awesome stuff. Tell us about your Thanks. family. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, first of all, I got to say that I've loved going through some of the websites of some of you guys while you're talking. And some of those flowers are just absolutely lovely. Yes, <laughs> you'd like to see them up here. But we're in Canada. What can I say? I notice how dark it is everywhere. And we're farther north and west, I guess, because we're still light outside. Um, you can get a hold of me at um, wildrosecollege.com. Um, That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, yeah, I guess. And I also have a Twitter account, and I also have a blog, drterrywillard.com, if you want to follow some of those things along. Um, I've just really enjoyed being with you guys and hearing it from um, the hands that are growing the plants. And uh, let's keep this cannabis and herbs going. From a herbalist point of view, we consider cannabis the gateway herb. It's the thing that's driving so many things through various herbal things right now and into the educational system. So we've seen at our college a huge upspring, not only in the cannabis courses themselves, but um, in all the rest of the herbal college courses, because now we actually know some of these herbs work. Oh, my goodness gracious. So we're really thrilled as a gateway herb. Well, thank you so much for your work in herbalism and being such a forthright teacher and educator of herbalism. And I'd like everyone just to really know that Wild Rose College is a really amazing place to learn herbalism and to really check into it. And, and I think now is a great time during this COVID to take the time to learn botany and to learn herb and to learn what a nature spirit is. And I just really wanted to take a minute to commend you, Terry, for talk about True North and, and, and the work that you've put in your entire adult life to fully put out and educate people about nature and about herbs. It's incredible, valuable. I mean, 
it's a whole lifetime of work that anyone can really access. And I'm so grateful to you and the inspiration to herbalists all over the world for the work that you've done. Thank you. And the thank herbs, you. thank you. And the medicine, thanks you. Yeah. You support the biome and that's what matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alexandra. Alex. You're, you're just a magical person and hearing your voice, it soothes my heart. And I just really feel like a multi-lifetime connection with you. And um, I appreciate your guidance, you know, and I just love to hear what you had to say um, as a closing, uh, closing thoughts and where people can find you. Um, yeah, well, just my name, alexandralupold.com, also on Instagram. And um, I actually, for me, it was the opposite. I grew food for a long time. And in 2004, the spirit of the cannabis came to me and asked me to grow it too. At that time, I'm a total virgin to the cannabis and uh, uh, didn't know what to do with that. Um, but it took that long until it got legal here in Canada. And... Um, Thanks to you guys uh, when I met you and, um, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, I felt a soul connection right away because I knew um, that you grow plants like I, I did. So that was, didn't even need to talk about it. And that was the first time that I actually felt myself, myself safe enough to actually try cannabis out. Um, so, but I'm not a virgin anymore with cannabis. So, uh, and um, I'm really happy for all this sharing and know that there are so many other people out there that don't call dirt, dirt because it's soil or soul, as you say, and it is our soul. And um, yeah, I think that's all what I have to say. So for, for me, it was the opposite. First growing food, and now this medicine plant. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Logan and crew, it looks like you got some family in the background it's there. It's so nice to yes, see the in the background, <laughs> island vibes. My brother's right here, big up the brothers, yeah, it's man. It's Logan's birthday today. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, happy oh, birthday! birthday. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to Weasel Guild, too. Ganja oh. Gill's partner's birthday today, too. Yeah, nice. awesome. Yeah. Big up Ganja Gill. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're, I'm over here at the school, so we got the Institute of Natural Farming that we just started here. And uh, my mom also has a deli down the way over here. So everyone's here. We're gonna have a little birthday dinner after we get done done with this phone call. Ah, this, this Zoom chat. Anyway, I just want to big up all the conscious and smart and intelligent, real humus beings out here coming on on these chats, on these talks, on these Zoom platforms, YouTube platforms. Just to big up the earth and to put a little spark, a little bit of light into this dark void that we've been uh, experiencing. And we know that this earth is abundant. We know that this God is good. We know that it's all here to provide for us and support our health. So we just got to tap back in, be that true human being that we are meant to be, reach our potential, 
Um, anyway, I want to big up uh, BC Bubble Man real quick because BC Bubble Man's an OG. He's the real deal, man. These are the kind of people that you hear him just talk on there and break it down like that. BC Bubble Man, real deal, man. I've been watching him since I was like a teenager and, and all things, man. Big up BC Bubble Man. He, give thanks. If it wasn't for, thanks. Big you up on your Earth Strong. Yo, give thanks, man. If it wasn't for BC Bubble Man, I wouldn't be making a living right now. So big up BC Bubble Man. <laughs> Right on. And one other thing too is like is like everybody wants to grow big and wants to grow big and wants to grow big and wants to get their license and their thing and thing. But what happened just to a humble grow and you got the best highest grade and your hash is so good that the neighbor wants to buy it and that and your and your friend down the road wants to buy it. My dad told me a piece of advice. He said, "Son, you grow cannabis for yourself. The extra you sell to your friends." So I think if we get back to that model, we'll be good, man. We don't need to go supply Safeway with cannabis or all these big Walmart cannabis. We don't need to do that. Why don't we just grow a few plants and trade it amongst our friends and go eat good food and grow good food? It's all good. Living like the kings, exactly. So Conscious Rhythms, at Conscious Rhythms, that was my, that's my other business, at Conscious Rhythms. If you want to check my personal Instagram and my old businesses that have to do with reggae music, and with with the culture and everything you can check that out also do a lot of farming on at conscious rhythms so check that out for my daily uh daily updates and whatnot we also got the instagram handle at um institute of natural farming so check us out there www.instituteofnaturalfarming.com um yeah man link up reach out come to the big island we have a retail store for the last 17 years you can find us there um, and then come to one of the classes. So stay tuned. Stay tuned to the website. Stay tuned to the Instagram because we're going to have a bunch of classes coming after this COVID nonsense because everyone wants to know how to be real. And that's what we're doing. So big up. Dragonfly Earth Medicine for life, man. You guys are the realest. Big up. Blessed love. Blessed love. Give thanks. Nice to see you and the family there. And thanks for the inspired words and just the, you know, the spirit. And Casey, how can people find you and any last thoughts? And also, I just wanted to like, I was big up in you, but your other amazing, beautiful half that holds up so much. And I know your brother, Amber, she's always behind the scenes. I know that woman is like rock solid. She works so hard. We're so thankful to her. And I know her essence is here. You know? We got our mom here tonight. My mom's my yeah. mom. She's... <laughs> I Give know. thanks to her. Hi, you guys, you know, are Big up. thankful for what's going on here. <laughs> That's what's up. Good job, guys. <laughs> Great success, indeed. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm out in the pasture right now, um, just listening to the crickets chirp and watching the last remnants of the sunset, and, and just feeling that gratitude, um, gratitude for land, for family, um, for like minds. Uh, this was a very powerful experience. I, I appreciate the opportunity to join this group. This was um, food for the soul. So thank you. Much love and big up. You can find me, um, Casey O'Neill, on Facebook. Happy Day Farms. That's us with the smiling sunshine and the two thumbs up. Um, on, so Happy Day Farms on IG and then happydayfarmcsa.com. Much love. Big up. Big up, Josh and Kelly and Dragonfly and everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right on, Marcus. Right on, Casey. Thank you. We love you. Appreciate Much it. Much love. Josh, are you still there? 
Hey guys. Yeah, I'm nice. still here. I've been kind any, of in and Any out. last thoughts or and how people uh, can find you? Uh yeah, I mean just we give thanks to you guys and the, the community of, of like minds that, that you have really brought together in this time and by this time I don't just mean COVID, but I just mean, you know, this time right now on this on this evolutionary course that we're all on and and how we're all incorporating the master cannabis plan into healing the earth and raising families and and uh and, and how we communicate and and uh work with each other like a big network a big web it's uh it's a really beautiful thing and i'm super humbled and um, give thanks to be a part of it. Thank you guys for everything. Yes. That's what I have to say. There's nothing left to do but smile, smile, smile. Yes. <laughs> so on that note, we'll just give thanks and, you know, go out and enjoy your family. We appreciate your time. Super special for us. And and I had a, I had a vision, like... We, we had talked about how everybody at 420 just takes a minute to touch the earth, you know, that's sort of like a thing for the cannabis. But I had this awesome vision that like at 6.30 in the afternoon that everybody goes down to their park and just lies on the ground like a spider and everybody is keeping whatever social distance they have and grounding on the earth so we can all get the super ancient knowledge that is our rightful DNA, that is our that is our, that's our essence of, of, of why we want to live and, and of why we want to be in community. So that was really fun. I was visualizing like Central Park, you know, no room at all. Everybody lying like just starfish on the ground. So I'm going to keep visualizing that. And really we should be having um, compost and dirt at the storefronts and putting our hands in compost and dirt because we are nature. And that is our ultimate health. So I really want to encourage people to put their hands in the ground. Don't totally wash off your carrots. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just accept the, the, the biology, accept that, that, that root. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in to us and being here tonight. Um, it means the world to us. And thank you all so much on the panel. You all brought me to tears many times. This has been a really, really powerful evening. And it's going to get me through my week with just like so much. I think if uh, everyone wants to share the vibe, uh, I'm going to go listen to that 1990 Shakedown Street from Rich Stadium. It's in the chat. Feel free to go join, uh, join in and we'll all be thinking about the good vibes from tonight. Thanks, everybody. Right on, Marcus. Much love, y'all. Thanks again, Marcus, for putting this all together, and Josh and Kelly as well. Thank you. It, yeah, it takes all of us. This is such a community, and it means, you know, community and common unity. You all are so incredibly inspiring to me. This is, this, it, it takes all of us. As the web gets wider, the weave gets tighter. So awesome. Let's Amen. just keep Weave in the web. You guys' voices is great. Appreciate y'all. That's what's up.